Man, is it that time already? Kick it! Whoa, it's the Greg Carrasso Show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this ride go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guests from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. Broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a Dow stock. Movie talk on a boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. The show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host. Good morning, Slacker Nation. Yes, we're here. We are live. This is happening. No technical difficulties. We're here. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Ken? Craig, are you there? <laughs> I, I, honestly, I could not be happier. We got the connection cooking nice and early this morning to make sure that we didn't have the same issues that we had last week. And uh, happy, as always, to be here with you on another Saturday morning. You know, it's beautiful outside and uh, it's, it's, it's very important, folks, that now that the government has decided to make you all unhealthy, to get outside and go for a little walk and, s and breathe, just breathe, take it all in. But um, you are listening to The Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show. Uh, we've been on air for the last 13 years, and uh, Ken and I have been here on TSN for, what, three months now? Almost four months? Yeah, just about. Yeah, I think so. And... Um, this is a new. This is a. This is an experiment. Uh, we are the only non-sport property here in, in the entire TSN network, and uh, like I've said before, is a is a big responsibility. And uh, uh, we're going to try to make you proud. We're going to try to keep you entertained. We're going to try to keep you engaged. And uh, you know, unlike many shows that you listen to, this is a this is a two-way street. So if for whatever reason a topic on the show is, um, is something that you agree with or disagree with or you want to throw your two cents in, uh, feel free. The number to call is 416-870-1050. That's the direct line because we are on live now. Again, 416-870-1050. And if you're calling from out of town, it's 1-855-591-6876. Now, we, we live in different times. So the uh, the fact that we are here on air on TSN 1050, it doesn't mean that this is the only opportunity you have to listen to the show. Uh, Ken and I have our podcast. It's called The Greg Carrasco Show. And uh, you can listen to the show, the contents of the show, uh, on your own time. So you can go up to um, tsn.ca or you can go to iHeartRadio. Uh, but more importantly, you can go to iTunes and click the subscribe button and you will get the show as soon as we upload it. Isn't that correct, uh, Ken? Yep, that's correct. You can find the platform, uh, the podcast rather on any of those platforms. I believe it's also posted to your website as well, gregcarrasco.com. Yeah, we are, you know, we're easy to find. And the idea behind this is that we, we understand that people have things to do. And some of you folks are burdened with families and kids and husbands and wives. So you have other things to do other than listening to this crazy dude on the radio. Um, but um, before we go any further, we have to pay the bills, and it's very important. Um, this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. 
this is the home of the no commission salespeople. And I can tell you folks that if you are still choosing to pay commission when you purchase a vehicle somewhere right now, you are leaving money on the table voluntarily. There is no need to do that. It's, it is 2020, just in case you've forgotten. Uh, commission system came out into effect back in the early 1900s. So you're buying cars the way the cars were sold back in the, <laughs> in the early 1900s, which is crazy to me. What do you think about that, Ken? Uh, I think that times have come a long way since the first uh, assembly line in the Ford plant uh, went underway. So doesn't really make sense that society's come along this far in so many different other areas, but we're still uh, stuck in the past as far as the car industry is concerned. Well, I can tell you this. is in, For some reason, uh, car dealerships created this awesome illusion that you, uh, the, this is the illusion, folks, that you can actually go into a car dealership uh, and negotiate to a better price. But, you know, the whole concept of you negotiating once every four, five, six years, because the average Canadian uh, buys a new vehicle around that time, four, five, or six years. So you negotiate and buying cars every six years. And then you get in the ring with someone that does it 10 times a day. What do you think the chances are that you are going to win? You're not going to. And if you do buy a vehicle, guess what? You lost. <laughs> <laughs> because if it didn't make sense for the dealership to sell you a car, guess what? They wouldn't have sold it to you. So I, it always cracks me up when I hear those people, oh, you know, I kept the dealership there for six hours, you know, just squeezing every dollar they could I could out of them. No, 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 no. It was the other way around. <laughs> you think you kept them there. No, no, no. If the dealership doesn't want you there, guess what? You'd be gone. <laughs> so they kept you there getting every single dollar out of you. That's something that you don't have to do anymore. Um, the the progress at some point had to hit the, the showroom floors. And, you know, many things are changing these days. And, you know, paying commission is one thing that I don't do. Everybody uh, that works at boat stores, Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, and wherever I happen to be in, because I don't believe in having an adversarial relationship with customers. Uh, that's only one of the things that we do. The second thing that we do, and it's huge, is that we, we no longer negotiate on used cars. Uh, we have one of the largest used car operations in the town of Oakville, and for that reason, uh, in, in the GTA. And we don't negotiate anymore. We give you the best price right up front. Uh, there is no point in us trying to get more money than the vehicle is worth. We don't determine what the car is worth. The market does. So when you provide the best price right up front, it gives you a great sense of comfort that we are literally willing for you to walk away from this transaction because we are already giving you that best price. And unlike most other places, our prices go down automatically. So... And this is something that we, you know, I, I understood f for a long time. Uh, cars are the highest depreciating asset on the face of the planet. So the longer you keep them, the less they're worth. So at our store, we are we, we take a pretty, um, uh, I would say, scientific approach to car sales. So we lower our prices automatically. So every single week, the prices get lower and lower and lower. So by the time they get to 45 days, we do not keep vehicles past those 45 days. If you cannot sell a car after 45 days, there is something wrong with you. It's either the wrong car for your store or the price is not right for your market. Either way, that vehicle should not be sitting on that lot. So every single vehicle that we have in inventory, we lower the prices automatically. Now, for the month of um, uh, for the month of October, there is a couple of specials that you know. If you're in the market right now, and sorry to bore you with this because talking about this stuff is boring, but we have to do it. We got to pay the bills. 
for the month of October, um, Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity decided to push forward with something that is making a lot of competitors cry. And uh, we have heard them cry here on the show many, many, many times before, and rightfully so, uh, because whenever I put an offer that is so... <laughs> What, what is it that I'm hearing here? <laughs> uh, whenever I, I put an offer that is so unbelievably strong that is, uh, people cannot compete, uh, this is what happens. So for the month of October, until the end of October, we have a no questions asked oil change for $19. So it doesn't matter what you drive. And I mean this. It doesn't matter what you drive. Any brand, it doesn't matter where you live, any city. You can come down to Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity and you can get an oil change for $19 and we will, on top of that, give you a 20 or a multi-point inspection at no charge. You know, we want you to see what it is to be treated by an actual dealership. We have over 50 bays. We counted the other day, close to 50 bays at the store just to serve you. So until the end of the month, you can get an oil change at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity for $19. Now, you know, this is, we're going to step it up a notch, Ken. And I know that this is boring stuff, but I have to say it. You know, you perhaps you don't need it, but I, there are many people that do. So when you come down to Oakville Nissan and you get an oil change, we are going to include a no-charge tire swap. So if you're going to change your tires from um, summers to winters, is no charge. We'll do it for you for free. And on top of that, because we know how much of a pain in the butt it is to have your snow tires in the garage, we are going to give you a full year of storage, one season. We're going to store your tires at no charge. What? So this is happening right now. Not only you can get a $19 oil change, period. That's good. You get a no charge multi-point inspection and on top of that we can swap your tires at no charge and we will give you storage for a year there is not a single other place in the entire province of ontario that can provide this for you and it's something that you need to know now we don't know what's going to happen with this covid situation that is driving everyone insane inventories are running low and uh, we, we thought that at some point we were going to be able to catch up and uh, if you are looking for vehicles and you need to get 0% financing, and the deals are pretty strong right now, but the selection of 2020 product is getting very, very slim, Ken. Uh, right now, it's not so much about the color, it's more about the deal. Um, so if you, if you are going to any dealership right now, you need to come equipped with at least three color choices because the chances are that if you're looking at a popular color like white, or gunmetal gray, dealerships are going to be sold out. So you need to make it down there before the cars run out. And I know you're going to say, well, cars will never run out. No, you would be surprised. During COVID, Ken, many plants throughout the world, they shut down. So we, we've we never had uh, this few cars on the lot as we do today. So we, we, we can't get them. And it, it is a pretty big problem. You know, the same thing happened with just about everything else. Uh, you know, as you know, I'm... I like to collect watches and uh, many watch factories in Europe, in Switzerland, they shut down for four, five, six months. So the supply of product in the marketplace right now is driving the prices sky high. But that's not happening with the car business. The, the, the prices are still pretty reasonable. Now, needless to say, uh, it is very important that if you are looking at buying a vehicle right now, make it down there. Don't wait. Because once everything gets shut down, it's going to be increasingly difficult. Now, you can buy your vehicles online. I, I don't know why people are not doing this, Ken. Why do you think this is, man? 
That people aren't utilizing the online sales, you mean? No, they're not. I mean, you know, we are fully trained. And I can tell yeah. you, man, during April and May and June, we crushed virtual sales because we are ready. I've, I've been training for this for 12, 13 years. This is way before COVID became even a thing. Yeah, you were, so, you've been saying that uh, you were one of the first car dealerships to actively use social media, whether it be Facebook or other platforms, to try to market the product and complete sales online. Well, you know, the, the funny thing, Ken, is that um, dealerships are just now starting to sell vehicles uh, on Facebook. And uh, over the last few weeks or so, I have been seriously contemplating shutting down all my Facebook accounts. So that's how far ahead we are at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity when it comes to virtual virtual sales. Um, the Facebook marketplace is so saturated now that it doesn't make sense. You cannot get a good deal in there. You, there are other ways that you can find uh, a more suitable and easier way of doing business with a car dealership. But folks, today is about you. Today, if you have a beef, a question, suggestions, concerns, anything, you can call the show if it's got to do with a car. If you want to know what your car is worth, if you want to trade in a vehicle and you want to have an idea of what to expect, or if you're looking at buying a specific vehicle and you want an opinion for someone that has no skin in the game, I can give you the, just the straight goods. You need to call us, 416-870-1050, and if you're calling from out of town, it's one 591 6876 In the next hour, we have our... Money Yoda. <laughs> Money Mike is going to join us uh, in the next hour, and we're going to talk about all sorts of different things, especially as it comes to your real estate needs. So do you sell? Do you not sell? What to do with those monies, especially if you're approaching retirement? This is going to be a really interesting show because there are many of you uh, who only have money on real estate, and that's something that needs to be addressed. But uh, Ken, let's take a small break right now, and I have a very interesting topic of conversation for you on the other side of the hour. Stay tuned. This is the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show. Let's go for a break. The tunes. He's on point this morning. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show, with my friend Ken Stapen here. Don't forget that you can download the podcast on iTunes. Just click subscribe, and you're going to get it immediately after the show is uploaded. Uh, we have our first call of the day. It's uh, Greg from Mississauga. Greg, thank you for calling Slacker Nation here on TSN 1050. What's up, man? Pleasure to talk to you, fellow Greg, fellow Slacker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's funny because Greg is such a normal, common name here. Uh, but uh, you know, my um, my mom was in love with Gregory Peck, so <laughs> uh, I was called Gregory, not Gregorio or anything other. You know, Latin American version of the name uh, Gregory, and uh, I was the only Gregory in downtown, deep, dark Santiago, Chile in the seventies. Man, <laughs> that was not a good name to have. Uh, but uh, you know, how can I help you, Greg? Okay, so um, I've got a high-end uh, car, and I've, it's been suggested I get it the, the outer surface treated with uh, Ceramic Pro. Uh, okay, you need to share what it is, man. Don't don't be coy. Just tell us what you have. Oh, okay. It's a 2019 Porsche Carrera GTS Cabriolet. Nice. Look at that. You know, flexing like a boss. <laughs> what <laughs> made you buy that car, man? Um, I had a I had an older uh, Beamer. Uh, uh, Z4M class, and it was yep. going to start needing work, and I thought I'd upgrade it. <laughs> that, that's well, not that an upgrade. That's a whole different life, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but, well, it, it, you get to a certain age, and you can afford that kind of thing. 
You know, it, it is. And, you know, like I've always said to people, look, you know, cars are a giant waste of money. They've always they been, are. they will always be. However, <laughs> however, we all reach a point in our lives in which you say, you know what, why not? Just just get it done. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not much of a car guy. And but from time to time, hey, I don't, I don't mind flexing with a car. It's okay, you know. The uh, this uh, ceramic coating conversation has come up quite a bit over the last few weeks, and uh, right now we are in the process of finding some vendors that we can use at the store. Um, Okay. Ceramic coating is a really big deal in other areas. In California, if you go to uh, you know Florida, if you go to New York State, um, and even as, as close as Alberta, this is something that is done always. Um, I am all for it. The problem is this, yeah. Greg, that you know when you go to a car dealership, there are so many things that you can buy to protect that that investment, if you call it that. Uh, that at some point it becomes, you know, the customer becomes cynical about what we're trying to do for them. So, right. you know, you know, buying yourself an extended warranty, you know, for you, for example, did you get yourself an extended warranty? Yes. You see, that's a, that's a smart decision because that vehicle is not an inexpensive vehicle to fix. No. And many people, many people don't know how involved that warranty work is in high-end vehicles. So, um, when you start buying the rust proofing and undercoating or the rust module and the extended warranty and and the tire and wear protection and then you add uh, paint protection and fabric protection and then you put the ceramic coating on it it's like at one point at what point do you stop now if you were to ask me as as a car connoisseur uh, in in part of the industry for the last 30 years as to whether you should put a ceramic coating on a vehicle that you plan to keep for a long time, I would say 100% get it done uh, because the, ve the vehicle looks different, Greg. Yeah, I've seen, yeah. I've seen it, and in fact, the dealer was offering it to me at a huge price, mm -hmm. and I thought, well, I'm going to sit on this for a bit and uh, just do a little bit of research on it, but I haven't been able to find a whole lot other than what's offered at various dealerships and aftermarket uh, vendors. You know, if it looks like if is the vehicle is wet, uh, you know, it's got that like oily uh, shine or sheen to it right. that uh, gives you that additional layer of protection. But I mean, that paint is going to stay intact. You know, that's one of the biggest problems that I have with you know people that buy vehicles and they don't get paint protection because a lot of people don't understand the exposure that you have with the bird dropping and acid rain and uh, tree sap. It's something that can go through the paint within two or three days. If you don't clean it fast enough, boom, it just right. eats up that clear coat. Um, and um, something that I, you know, I tell my friends and, and listeners from time to time that I, I call it color math. The longer you're planning to keep the vehicle, the lighter the vehicle should be. So, for example, if you're looking at keeping a vehicle for 10 years, then what you want to do is get a white car simply because yeah. the, a white vehicle will stay a lot longer looking newer than a black or a red or a blue car. Now, there is one exception to that rule. If you apply ceramic coat to that paint, that paint okay. is going to remain intact for the duration of the life of the vehicle. You just need to upkeep it. But I personally, I think it's worth every penny. Is there a limit? Do you, do you, like they offer various um, um, uh, number of coats, I guess, lack of a better term, like one coat, two throw. You can get up to five coats of this stuff on the vehicle. At what point do you apply so much treatment to it that it's, it's not making any difference? Well, and you know, I... The more treatment, the more expensive. Well, and I understand that. I think it all has to do with how long you're planning to keep the vehicle. 
Well, this so, car only sees the sunlight in the summer. It doesn't see bad weather at all, so it's going to be with me for a long time. Like the Beamer I had was an old four. Yeah. Well, look so, at it. My 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 rule of thumb is this: you know, do a code for each three years that you're planning to keep the car. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. So, because yeah. by the end of the third year, the coat is going to start wearing off. So if you have layers and layers and layers, you're going to be able to keep the vehicle for a long, long, long time. And I can tell you, um, you know, paint is the number one deterrent for resale value. Uh, somebody right. will pay you thousands of dollars more because the vehicle looks good rather than drive good, which is the strangest thing. But that's, that goes <laughs> to tell you how, how superficial we, know we can be as, yeah. uh, you know, as a species from time to time. It's like the old adage, if the, if the hood shines, the car sells. You know, and, and that is so true. And this week we had a, we, we had a problem at the store because uh, we didn't have a couple of our detailers. And, uh, uh, you know, it is customary at my store that when, whenever I put a vehicle on the lot, especially in the used car lot, the vehicle is fully detailed and ready to sell. So you are far more likely to sell the vehicle quick if that used vehicle is spotless by the time it hits that used car lot. And the yeah. inability for people to understand this, it, it can cause a huge bottleneck in sales. And uh, sure. it's so important to keep that vehicle nice. Now, what did you have before your Z4? Um, I was just driving a Ram. A Ram for a I while, have, eh? I, Yeah, I didn't have much of anything. Um, it's just uh, I bought that thing because I wanted a toy and bought this one because I wanted a better toy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm driving a toy right now, and uh, I, I, it's one of those guilty pleasures, man. And uh, I, I have is. just been... Huh? It is. I agree. It's, it's, it's guilty because I, whenever I pull up to a gas station and people look at you funny, it's like, ah, I don't, I don't need this kind of attention in my life. I, I'd rather just, you know, travel below the surface. You know, I don't, I don't want people to know that I'm around. But, you know, sometimes it's, it's good to treat yourself and, and why not? If you can do it, why not? But, Greg, thank you so much for the phone call, man. I really yeah. appreciate Thanks that you called the Carrasco. No problem. Thank you, brother. And uh, hopefully okay. you can find yourself a vendor. And uh, for those of you folks that were listening to that, uh, that phone call, uh, Greg asked me whether... Uh, it was a good idea to put some ceramic coat uh, on your paint. And I say that 100% of the time. It's, it's, it's a great idea. It's not, uh, it's not inexpensive. <laughs> so you're going to have to spend some money. But if you're planning to keep the vehicle for a long time, which you should, you should. I know that many people disagree with me on this. You know, when I tell you that leasing only benefits the manufacturer, it doesn't benefit you. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue this one because I, I can tell you this. I can sell more cars if I lease them to you because I have you all coming back in three years. Guess what? <laughs> you know, every time there is a turn, every time there is a, an exchange is when dealerships and the manufacturer makes the money. But I can tell you this. If it was good for you, the manufacturer wouldn't be pushing it. <laughs> you understand this? It's a, it's a very simple rule. And it's, it's amazing how the, the simplicity that, that people use to... Um, to approach car sales. Now, do we need to go for a small break right now, Ken? Uh, we can stick with this segment for quite a little bit while longer, if you like. So if anybody no, else wants to what, call, feel free to jump on the line. Yeah, no problem. You know, what we're going to do is uh, let's take a small break right now. We'll, we'll have the next segment a little longer. But uh, what I want to talk to you on the next segment is two things. Um, there was a, a very, very sad, sad and extremely, extremely unfortunate, uh, unfortunate and a hundred percent avoidable situation that happened in Mississauga last week. Uh, there was this alleged because again everybody is innocent until proven guilty. 
except that this was um, a repeat offender. Uh, there was an alleged impaired driver that uh, killed a 19-year-old kid in Mississauga, right there on Highway 10 and, and Mineola Road. Um, and this dude is a repeat offender. And uh, I want to toss this out into the universe. What do you think is a reasonable first-time offense charges? What do you think is an, enough of a punishment that would deter people from stopping this nonsense? There are so many people that are being killed across the country in North America and for that matter the world by irresponsible nincompoops, which is, you know, is our favorite word. Nincompoop. <laughs> that, that make the conscious decision of drinking and driving. And, you know, I can tell you there is a lot more of these irresponsible fools out there than you think. What is enough? What would be big enough for someone to say, okay, I don't want to run that risk? There are so many things that are available. So I, I want to toss that out into the world. And the second one is this, that snow tires. You know, yesterday I was on, a, on another radio show. I was invited. I'm a, I'm a weekly guest uh, on my buddy John Cole's radio show. And, um, you know, we were talking about snow tires. And why is it that people insist in waiting until that first snowfall to change it? So, folks, if you have a you know if you have skin in the game, if you have an opinion on the matter, call us four one six eight seven zero ten fifty is the number to call. We are live right now here on TSN ten fifty. This is the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show. With Ken Stapen, we'll be right back after the break. Okay, you need to share what it is, man. Don't don't be coy. Just tell us what you have. Oh, okay. It's a two thousand nineteen Porsche Carrera GTS Cabriolet. Nice. Look at that. Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. 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 Hey, listen, you can't be mad, man. If if the dude wants to just treat himself to a 9-11, just make it happen. Oh, make man. it happen. When you said that, I was just dying in the studio because it just made <laughs> me think about that South Park episode where all the cops just keep responding to everything with nice. Nice. South Park is uh, is brilliant. It was ahead of its time, man. <laughs> well, it still is, man. They they did a COVID special. Oh, I saw that. A few weeks ago. <laughs> the pandemic special. <laughs> you know, especially when they're back in school, is it's just absolutely insane, completely politically incorrect. Oh, yeah. It was, it, it was <laughs> excellent, excellent content. The classic chin diaper. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, folks, if you, um, if, if you want to have a quick laugh that is completely irresponsible, you need to go to YouTube and, and, uh, and Google or type in South Park COVID special. And uh, that, will, um, <laughs> that will bring some laughs into your life. Um, I wanted to talk about a couple of different things. And uh, this one is, um, I don't know why I get so unbelievably twisted. And when I say twisted, I get, I get vexed. I I overreact because I don't. Uh, I I really cannot put myself in in a spot in which I can comprehend that in today, October of 2020, we still have among us people who choose, even though there are thousands of different avenues available to them to drink to the point that they are impaired and get themselves into a three, four, five, six thousand pound projectile and then drive it 
a high rates of speed into other humans that have nothing to do with your irresponsible behavior. I came across this article the other day of this man here in um, in Mississauga that is not from Mississauga. He Apparently, he lives in Orangeville. I'm, I'm going to keep his name out for the sake of the conversation because again you know if we if, if we believe in our judicial system we have to give people the benefit of the doubt and it's something that happens although this is going to be hard to prove otherwise so this man um, peel regional police says that an alleged impaired driver charged in connection with a fatal mississauga crash has two prior convictions for impaired driving Police said that officers were called to the area of here Ontario Street and Mineola Road shortly after midnight on Saturday for a three-vehicle collision. This is, I, you know, my heart goes out to the family of this young man. A 19-year-old man from Mississauga was pronounced dead at the scene. Making the choice to drive while impaired is inexcusable, Deputy Chief Mark Andrews said in a statement. Peel Regional Police will be relentless in the efforts to take impaired drivers off our road. Our hearts go out to the young victims in this family. Now, here is here is something that I need to understand. I am all for smaller government. If anyone that knows my political inclinations, they will know this. I want smaller government. I want less taxes. I want more individual freedoms. I get that. You know, I, I'm all for it. But I never said, or in my thinking, the consequences for breaking those rules are something that are not part of my genetic makeup. You see, life is not fair. No one said that it is. It's not supposed to be. But there is only one thing that's fair in life, which is the consequences for our actions. Now, when it comes to impaired driving, we all know, we all know somebody within our close circle of friends or family who is an irresponsible buffoon that is willing every single week because, you know, most people that drink and drive are habitual drink, drinking and driving people. They, they just are. The statistic is overwhelming when you look at the number of people that are killed by drunk drivers. When you look at their record, mostly is repeat offenders. But now, you see Jordan Peterson always says that you need to kill the dragons when they're babies. So if you want to kill a baby dragon, you have to have enough laws that will serve as a huge and in, in ultimate deterrent for somebody to commit the irresponsible, the out, one of the biggest and most irresponsible behaviors that anyone could, anyone could make. And we see this in Toronto every single weekend. Now, what do you think is an adequate punishment for a first-time offender? You know, the moment that someone makes that decision of knowing full well that they are in no condition to get into a motor vehicle and drive it home. Are the people around them supposed to also be charged? If you know that someone is leaving your house and they're completely sloshed and you allow them to leave, are you an accomplice? Where does that end? You know, 
I, I knew someone once, uh, and it was here in Oakville. They, were, they used to be friends of mine. This lady's brother was a habitual drunk. And uh, one day on, uh, around the uh, Oakville place, he was driving home, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, drunk out of his wits. He slammed his car into an incoming vehicle. And guess what? That's what took place. And I take this so seriously that I, if I have a single drink, I will not drive. I'm not driving that car. That's why, you know, I, I, I don't even have alcohol in my house. And it's not something that I condone. But Ken, do you think that our laws are stringent enough to deter people from drinking and driving? Well, to answer that question, I think you have to look at all the laws in general. And are the laws strict enough? Like a life sentence is not strict enough to deter some people from still going to going to murder somebody. So in that sense, no matter how strict you make the laws, there's still going to be outliers who are going to disregard the status quo of society and not care about the repercussions because they don't consider it beforehand. Now, having said that, I think in a case like this where it's been multiple, multiple offenses, like you said, it seems like every time you hear somebody passes away in an accident that's involving somebody who's had a DUI, it's somebody who's on their second, their third, their fourth offense. And so in that sense, there has to be something that's done that's more strict. Because if you're going to allow these people to continue to do this multiple, multiple times, then obviously the repercussions aren't strong enough and the pressure that society is putting on these people isn't strong enough to make them want to conform. So, you know, here is something that I proposed. First offense, a month in jail. Lose your license for a year. What are your thoughts? First offense, a month, month in jail. My initial reaction as we were talking about this off-air before the show was that that may be a little strict. I think that a lot of people who are committing a first offense, I think that part of what should be taken into regard is their prior offenses. Are they someone who this is the first time they've ever broken the law and been arrested for it? Or is this somebody that's gotten caught for multiple other things and is now being charged with a DUI? I suspect that for a lot of people who get a DUI, it's their first offense. And if that were the case, I think something even as light as a week in jail would be enough to scare them straight and to fly right because you hear the horror stories and even to be removed from your regular day-to-day -day life for a shorter amount of period of time, I think would be enough of a shock to the system. But no doubt, you know, it seems that a year license suspension isn't enough to deter a lot of people from still taking the risk. Well, but look at it this way. If, if we are, you know, you're in for a penny, in for a pound. If you are, if you think that a week is going to deter someone from making that silly decision, no one would want to risk to, to, be, <laughs> to be put in, uh, to do some solid time for a you know for drinking and driving a week so why don't we just do it a month you now you know the price is going to be paid and the price has got to be steep enough you see you know he, here is the problem because a lot of people have been lucky enough not to have anyone taken away but some irresponsible behavior then it's easy for us to say oh maybe maybe a, a month in jail is too draconian it's too hard it's too harsh we may ruin somebody's lives. Really? What about all the people that die every single year because people refused? They simply refused 
to stop drinking and driving. And you know, the, the number one thing that I hear is that I'm fine. I'm fine. I do this all the time. I'm fine. No, you're not. No, you're not. Now, what is it that is going to you know, bring some peace to the, to the family of this 19-year-old that got killed in Mississauga? This guy, for what I read in the articles, because I read a few more articles on this, this guy does it all the time. Yeah, so, and that's the real problem. In, in, in again, it, because the initial sentence is too low. I don't think that we are doing enough to deter people from making this absurd decision every single week. And I can tell you, and I personally know people that do this every single week. And that's, uh, that's I, insane to me. That's that people just continue to do it. And another point that we brought up before, like while we were talking about this before the show, is there's no need especially in the GTA, there's a number of other options. Grab an Uber, grab a taxi, take the bus, do whatever it is that you need to do. Just park your car at the bar. There's no reason to drive it home. It's not as if, you know, you're living out in a town of 300 people where you know the sheriff and, you know, it's all dirt roads and whatever. Not saying that's right in that situation either, but when you're driving in the GTA, you have to understand how many people are going to be on the road at any given time and that there's options. That's the part that I find most surprising. Greg, we actually have a call, so let's go to the phone lines here. Yeah, we have uh, Dave from Tottenham. Dave, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. Greg, hey, Dave, how thank are you? you? For having... I'm good, thanks. How are you? Uh, well, you know, this is the... we often skirt around uh, you know, social issues that affect us all on a weekly basis, and sometimes you don't have to look further than just turn the TV on and come across some atrocity that could have been so easily avoided by us having laws that are strong enough to deter people from making this terrible, terrible, irresponsible choices. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, definitely, so it's definitely irrational thinking on that person's behalf. Uh, and I agree with what you were saying on how a week is simply not enough. Um, but at the same time, what is, right? What, what stops someone from getting behind the wheel after being intoxicated? Well, I, I, I think that a month will do it. Now, you also had another question in relation to winter tires. Definitely. So, so that was actually, talk to me. So prior, prior to you bringing up the, um, the DUI and, and uh, the unfortunate event. Uh, you were mentioning the frenzy around winter tire purchases on the first yep. snowfall. Yeah. So uh, I, I work for Yokohama Tire, account manager, cover the retail presence in Ontario. Uh-huh. Um, spent a fair amount of time behind the counter at an independent tire shop, also some dealership lights in there as well. And the frenzy around that first snowfall is... It seems to get worse every year, I think. Um, year in, year out, customers continue to wait for the roads to be covered in snow as opposed to being one step ahead, right? Obviously, there is a niche. There's a small following that will get in there ahead of time. But for the vast majority, everyone's waiting until it snows. You know, and, I, and here's, here's a rule of thumb that I've always used. Um, I always felt that the moment that you have consistently temperatures below um, – eight degrees, eight Celsius, is when I, I recommend all my friends and, and family members to start working their way to the dealership and get those tires swapped because at that point you cannot rely on the fact that temperature is going to sustain itself to the point that uh, it, it is safe for you to be driving on your summer tires. Would you agree with that statement? Most definitely. I think a, a key factor that's overlooked is 
and uh, that would come with education on on the tire manufacturing side is the compounding in the tires yeah right? ultimately that's going to be the biggest difference whereas once you get to that seven degree mark the compounds in the winter tire yes there may not be snow on the ground yet but the compounds are going to handle safer on those cold cold dry roads right you so know that, david that's a big part of it Thank you so much for the phone call, David. I really appreciate it. A shout-out to the people from Yokohama Tires. Thank you for representing. We have another phone call here, uh, Ken. Can you uh, – uh, who is the next one that we have on the line? Uh, let's go to Mike from Brampton. Mike, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. Hey, Mike, what's Hi, happening? Good Hi, good morning, Greg. How are you? Well, you know, I – is trying to start a conversation is where everything begins, and uh, only when you have enough social awareness on on, on, on every topic is uh, is when you when you have you can reach some sort of a consensus. What are your thoughts on what we're talking about this morning? I honestly think that this government is way too lax on drinking and driving laws. A week is not enough. A month is not enough. It should be automatic six months. Too bad for you. You're the one who went out there, started a vehicle, inebriated possibly killing somebody, maybe you did. Uh, no, there's no exception for that. There's no excuses. It should be automatically six months, harsh sentences, and they should also, I believe, should have to complete a government-run course, educational course. If they can't complete a course about education or regarding alcohol and drinking and driving, they don't get out of jail. That's it. You know, I, I do believe that part of the uh, the Ontario curriculum says that uh, depending on whether you're convicted or not, you do have to pass some government-enforced course uh, in relation to road safety. Uh, the, the, the problem that I have with it is, is simple. I don't think that the law is harsh enough for the first-time offenders because if you deter this at the beginning, like I said before, when the dragons are babies, then the chances are that this is not going to happen again. And I can tell you this, um, you don't want to be doing hard time for drinking and driving for a very, very uncomfortable and irresponsible thing that you've done. But if that's the price that you pay, I doubt you're going to do it again. Would you agree with that, Ken? Yeah, well, if the price is that harsh, I think that, like you said before, if it's um, rule with an iron fist, we were talking about Machiavelli, the, it's better to be feared than loved. People would fear going away for six months, so I understand the sentiments behind going to such a harsh sentence to try to just keep people from even putting themselves in that position in the first place. You know, let's talk to my uh, friend Lou. Lou, you're online here uh, with the Greg Carrasco Show. Is this my, my friend Lou? Yeah, Greg, uh, always listening, as you know, and you. I got to tell you, when it comes to drinking and driving, the degenerate alcoholic doesn't care, and that's why I agree with you. You have to make the penalty so that the average individual that might get caught up in a, met, in, in a net decides they're not going to do it. Like yourself, when the alcohol uh, blood level went up to 0.8, I decided I wouldn't drink out of the house or get behind the wheel of the car after having had a drink in the house forever. You know why? The cost is too high for me. It's too high. For the degenerate alcoholic, a month, I don't think that's enough. Uh, In Singapore, in order to crush uh, drug dealing, the penalty for being caught doing that was death. Stop I know it right in its yikes. tracks, right? It, the cost it is. is too high. The, it's, it's very interesting how... It, you know, depending on your political and philosophical inclinations, um, you know, you either agree with draconian measures or not. But I can tell you this, the the best deterrent for everything is fear. And I, I'm sorry, 
that's just the reality of it. And you know, uh, when, when we were kids, and you got to remember this, I grew up in Chile, man. I, there was no, um, you know, helicopter pairing or snowflakes, little little guys that you couldn't do anything to them. That did not apply when I was growing up, and I was so terrified of doing something. I grew up on a drug crime infested ghetto in the fear of my family is what kept me on the straight line. But even that sometimes was not enough. So do you think, what do you think that would be an adequate sentence for a first time offender, Lou? I think minimum a year. And then I think uh, some jurisdictions, Greg, put a uh, some kind of a tag on your license plate for a uh-huh. uh, convict so that the patrol cars that are out there see that tag. They pull you right over. How are you doing tonight? Yeah, we noticed, uh, you know, that you're uh, one of our special uh, uh, drivers. Can you come out of the car and blow into this now? And just harass them into their next offense, right? Because I don't think you can stop a degenerate alcoholic. And the other thing that I like, uh, I, I I know that uh, this is not a good thing to, to talk about on the radio, but pu- public shaming is not a bad thing. You know, there should be a registry in which you can see everyone that has been charged with drinking and driving, and we should all know who they are. So we can not only pro- help us protect ourselves against them, but help them to keep them straight. Because I think that there is, there is some social responsibility with our people. If we have family members that we know are in trouble with this situation, that they are alcoholic, and I can tell you, you know, uh, we say recreational alcoholics go out and have a drink. Alcoholics drink at home. <laughs> That's a big, big, big difference. But Lou, thank you so much for the phone call, and we have to go for a break at the top of the hour here. I really appreciate it. That's Lou's Keezer's Happy Capitalism. Lou, thank you so much for the, fo- the, for the phone call. Lou, the happy capitalist. He is amazing. Thank you so much for the phone call, Lou. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, it's amazing how quickly this hour went by. And uh, on the third hour, we're going to continue to talk about this no-tire issue because it's important, especially this time of the year. And um, next hour, folks, we have our Money Yoda in the house. Money Mike is going to join us. And we are going to just have an open conversation. We're going to talk about real estate, whether to sell, not to sell, what to do with the money, and, uh, and, and help you in the process of downsizing your life with the right advice. I think it's important that many of us are making decisions at this time in our lives, and we have no idea what we're doing. So, you know, I, I, I give up. I, I just said, okay, I don't know. I need help. And that's where Money Mike comes into place. Folks, you are listening to The Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show with my friend Ken Stapen here. Don't forget, we are right back after the hour. Let's take a small break. And we are back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show here on TSN 1050. We have been on air for about 13 years now, and uh, we bring all sorts of different wisdoms and ideas and thoughts for you. Um, just, just to share, to have a conversation. I want to send a big shout out to my friend Louis Kieses, the happy capitalist. <laughs> One of my friends just sent me a text saying that he can't stop laughing at the comment. Uh, you know, excuse me, sir, can you get out of the car and blow on this? <laughs> Imagine if we had <laughs> those license plate stickers, you know, denouncing drunk drivers. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that, kid? Hey, listen, it makes sense to me. 
If you see somebody <laughs> swerving on the road a little bit late night, you see the sticker on the license plate. That informs not only the officers, but also citizens as well. That maybe this person's had a couple of things to drink. And it's not just them jumping on the phone or whatever. Not that that's a good idea ever. No distracted driving. But I'm I'm in full support of Lou's idea on that. You know, the uh, it's, it's, it always cracks me up because from time to time you get caught in a ride program. And, uh, you know, they pull me over and they see this uh, bald-headed, bearded, fully covering tattoos dude. And they uh, they said, have you had any drinks? Or I said, uh, I don't drink. Yeah, and not tonight. the guy says to me, at all? No, like at all? I said, yeah, no. It's like, nah, step out of the car. So, you know, okay. Yeah, it's the beard and tattoos that throw people off. I actually have a funny story about the the ride program in Toronto. We got picked up in an Uber from a bar because we were trying to be socially responsible. I forget where the gentleman was from, but he didn't speak very good English. It was uh, some sort of Eastern European country. So he he was was drinking? No, no. So he wasn't drinking at all, but he didn't speak any English at all. So we're going through this. We end up getting stuck in this ride track check, and we're going through. And the officer who's in the front who starts questioning him, thinks that he's inebriated because he's having difficulty understanding <laughs> oh, what the officer's no. questions. Oh, he's no. trying to talk to him. And I was, like, uh, I was like, all right. And I just leaned up and I just said, excuse me, officer, we're in an Uber. We've been drinking. So we took an Uber. He hasn't. He's our Uber driver. And he's just not from, an, not from North America. So he's not that <laughs> well-versed in English. And the officer is just like, all right, sorry about the harassment. Just let us right through. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, on that note, I had two people that worked for me, a husband and wife, uh, you know, Calvin and Linda up in Newmarket, and uh, they were Irish, but their <laughs> their accent was just so, so thick. It didn't matter where they went. They always thought that they were drunk. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny, funny, funny things. But anyways, we have Money Mike in the house. Mike, it's good to see you here. Do. How are you? Oh, do not. There is no try. Uh, do we have Mike on the line here? Can can you hear him? Talk. Am I coming through okay? Okay. No, don't hear you, Mike. Uh, is your mm. is your mic muted on that end? Because I hear the echo. Yeah. How about now? Is that yeah, a bit better? There we go. Yeah, no, we, okay. got, we got you now, Mike. Had had the wrong one lit up. There, there we go. go. The um, you know, it's good to have you. Uh, the um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about uh, this uh, this week. Uh, not for the reasons that you may think. Uh, you also don't drink and drive, so that's not the reason why I'm thinking <laughs> no, about you. No, I'm good. I'm Have you good. put your snow tires on yet? No. Not yet? No. I, I uh, Actually, I had to put gas in my car on the way over here, and I was like, wow, when's the last time I put gas in my car? Do I even need snow tires this year? Am I going to do any driving this winter? Uh, don't, don't talk to me. You always you know. think about that, Mike, and then you're going to be sorry in that second week of November. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm one who always changes over to my, uh, my winter tires. It was just tongue-in-cheek. I'm doing so little driving these days. I'm like, what's the point of even owning a car? Well, if the government keeps shutting everything down, you may be driving nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Halloween is being canceled. Oh, no, no, it's allowed. Halloween is allowed? Ha- Halloween has been allowed, absolutely. How is that possible? Well, you know, I saw a Facebook posting about this that made a lot of sense to me, a picture of a woman in, in a drive through getting food from some fast food joint that said, if you can do this, then your kids can get Halloween candy. I went, you know what? It, as long as... You collect the the candy, set it aside for for however many days. You, do you I need mean, to put your candy on quarantine? Put your candy in quarantine. You need to put the Smarties <laughs> on quarantine. Hey, and the good no, thing man. about Halloween is that all the kids are wearing masks anyways. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I cannot put those little tiny coffee crisp and Kit Kats on quarantine, man. <laughs> I, I I actually I ransack the kids' candy and just take them all. 
I, you know, I don't know. I think that's a that's a tough call. Parents are going to have to make the decision for their own kids out there. But uh, you know, as soon as the topic came up, I, I said to my wife, "The politician that cancels Halloween does not get reelected." Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. You know, wait until the politician that cancels Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem. I uh, there are some rumblings out there that uh, we're going to be all shut down for the month of December, and that's terrifying. Yeah, for sure, that's terrifying. That's especially uh, for more more money for Jeff Bezos if uh, people aren't going to be frequenting the Eaton Center and such, or even smaller businesses. Listen, exactly. Good for him, man. Exactly. I I am so happy for him. I I I love the idea that I live in a world and somebody can actually have an idea and blow that idea to the degree. Uh, that uh, Bezos has been able to do it. You love it, that idea, do you? Of course I do. Of course I really? do. Really? So, so you think it's, it's important for someone who could be worth $200 billion? That's not my business, and it's good for him. No, and it's not a lot of people's businesses because he's put a lot of people out of business. Yes, but he also, hasn't done anything illegal. Don't get me wrong. Don't well, get me wrong. No, but hold on a second. You see, this is an interesting discussion here okay. because this is the the true capitalist in me, and I'm sure that Louis Keyes would have an opinion on this. You see, you know, Wealth is, is, is not evil. You know, generating income is not evil. And us, whenever he absorbs businesses because he puts other people out of business, that's, that's the beauty of free market. But no one ever talks about the fact of, you know, how many people he actually employs, you know, how many other opportunities he's creating in other areas. I mean, it's part of the evolution of corporate, uh, you know, it's corporate evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a lot of people think that, you know, multi-billionaires, they just sit on mattresses or sleep on mattresses filled with cash. Right. What do you think that money does? It's injected back into the market to generate more income, to create more companies, to finance more operations and so on. And if that were true, yeah. the wealth equality gap probably wouldn't be widening as quickly as it is. You know, the, probably the precursor to Jeff Bezos was Walmart. And Walmart was vilified through the 80s and 90s because they would come into a small town, they would set up shop, they would gobble up all the business and run local small business out. And then if they weren't making enough revenue in that area, they would shut down and disappear. I understand that, but um, that's mostly driven by the consumer. The consumer wants to pay less. They want to have more accessibility. They want to have a more practical approach to their own lives. And yeah. look what's happening right now. You know, you, you don't... Jeff Bezos is inside every everybody's home right now. Yep. He is a genius. Yeah. He is an absolute genius, and I don't think the genius should be vilified. I think that you need to read a little bit more on Ayn Rand. That's what I think. <laughs> Have you read Atlas Shrug yet? No, I haven't. You probably should. Have you mm-hmm. read it, uh, Ken? Atlas Frog. No, Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> I, was, I was like, what is what is Atlas Frog? That doesn't make any sense. No, no, no I, I, I haven't read it. You know, the uh, is 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 probably one of the absolute best uh, depictions of uh, the ultimate. Um, the capitalist capitalist way, and uh, I don't know why capitalism is so vilified. You know, right now we we live in the two best countries on the planet, and a lot of it has to do for that ability that we have to compete in free markets. You know, just think of the opposite. You know, I don't I don't want to be regulated by the government and what cannot you know can and cannot sell, what can can and cannot make. Yeah. I'm surprised to hear that from you, Mike. I am shocked. Well, you know. Take the shock. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm all for free markets and equal opportunity and, and someone with a fantastic idea. But there does come a time when you say, how much is enough? That's not our business. Yeah. That's not our business. Uh, I do think that uh, it's, a, it's a, an amazing 
thing that uh, we live in a world in which you can actually do that. And uh, I, I think that a lot of people vilified Bezos not because they don't like him, it's because it wasn't them that did it. Yeah, that's a possibility too. Yeah, it is, absolutely yeah. is. But yeah. anyways, I've been thinking a lot about you, Mike, this yeah, week. what's going on? Um, I'll tell you why. Because um, I, um, my son is moving out. Uh, you know, we, are, we, we had a discussion and, uh, you know, we, are, we came to an agreement of helping him to become independent which I think is very, very important if you're listening to the show, folks. If you have a kid living in your house that is in their you know, early 20s, mid-20s, kick him out. Kick him out. You need to send him out into the world so they can be self-sufficient. Yeah. It's very important. You know, at some point, their wings, you atrophied, atrophied is that the word? Yeah, atrophied. Yeah. You atrophied their, their wings. So they need to go out there into the world and develop that character to, to, to grow that independence. So... You know, and I was talking to my therapist this week about this, you know, I, I'm terribly sad that he's not going to be in my house. He's my boy, man. Yeah. I don't want him to go, but he has to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyways, um, and uh, I have another, I have a condo that is closing in January 15 or so. And uh, I had made the business decision of selling the house and moving to the condo. Okay. But I was talking to a real estate agent and I said, okay, you know, what do you think? You know, what do you think of the market? And he said to me, we might have missed the opportunity by 45 days. He says, we may be too late uh, because the fear of COVID is, is making a lot of people gun shy. And there are some properties that are being advertised downtown in which you advertise it for a lower price and ultimately it's going to go and you expect them to do, go up. And I hate those games that real, yeah. the real estate agents play with the people. It's, it's just, it's absurd. And uh, I... You know, now I'm wondering: Am I going to have to keep both houses? Am I going to? Am I? Is this the right time to sell? You know, is it? Is it? Is it going to get worse? Is it going to get better? And now, I, and I find myself: I'm not someone that stresses, but this is triggering some of my anxieties. Like, okay, what is the right thing to do right now? And unfortunately, nobody has a crystal ball on this. No, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen. So now, the question that I have for you is: There are many people in the city right now that the only wealth they have is tied up on real estate. Yes. Their house is paid off. And uh, they are approaching retirement. And most of the retirement income that they will have is d derives from the sale of that asset. So my question is twofold. Okay. Number one, what do I do? You're, you're my money guy. I'm going to yeah. put you on the spot sure. right now. Sure. What do you personally do? Yeah. I think the approach is if you have an idea of what your house is worth, if you want to create some sort of bidding war and play that game, I would probably mitigate that thought to some extent. I would lessen the amount by which you would list your house less than what you think it's worth simply because you don't want to be that one time when you just happen to get one person looking. Mm -hmm. Like you said, the COVID scare, it's a bad week that you don't get people coming around. All of a sudden, they offer what you're asking, and you're stuck selling the house for less than it's worth. And that was something my, my in-laws said to me once. They uh, they sold a house once. They, they listed it. I think they ended up listing like 15% below its actual value. Uh -huh. uh, and so when they got the full value, other people were like, wow, your real estate agent did a great thing. And they went, I don't think so, because... What if, what if we didn't get the bidding war going? I would have sold my house 15% below market. I would have been screwed. So, you know, I, I think you, 
you have to have a price in mind that you're willing to let the house go for. Mm -hmm. If that number makes sense to you, if the market will yield that number, then you're fine. If a bidding war happens, you're even more than fine. Uh, I don't know. They could be right. 45 days ago, the numbers could have been higher than they are today, but it doesn't mean today's numbers are bad. No, numbers are not bad, but I mean, everybody wants to maximize and, 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 you know, I guess, yeah, maximize the, the return. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things that scares me to no end is that, uh, you know, when the government is spending tax, you know, revenue that they don't have yet, you mm -hmm. know that they're going to take that money from somewhere. Right. And uh, I am so afraid that there will be taxes on capital gains that you're making on your uh, on your property, that there will be taxes on inheritances, that there will be taxes on things that we never had taxes before because somebody's got to pay the lunch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one thing makes me wade and ride, ride the wave um, because I can carry the both places. But the other one says, you know what, you know, what is the saying? A bird in the hand is better than a hundred flying or? Bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a guy in a commercial that has got all the uh, the sayings wrong. <laughs> I, I, you know, I <laughs> my saying is is translated from Spanish. There you, you know, go. That's my um, argument of no possible deniability. Yeah, yeah you we'll, cannot we'll prove accept it. it. So, what I I'm, I feel lost right now because I it, it was a sound decision that was made. I mean, we had a plan. Yep. Now I, I am reluctant to, you know, pull the trigger on this because I don't know if this is the right time to sell the house. And also I don't know if I'm going to be leaving money on the table come next June, the house is, goes up another quarter of a million bucks. Uh, opportunity cost. And, and, and what's the phrase the kids love today? FOMO fear of missing out. Right. Okay. Why would I want to sell my house now when it could be worth more six months from now or a year from now? Are you going to ridicule me on no, air, Mike? No, you, but I, I sense this happen. Do you, do, you, do you feel this, Ken? <laughs> this is, you see, this is the reason why I stick with Money Mike on this. You know, he manages my money, and the reason why is because he makes fun of me. <laughs> you know, public humiliation. He does it on the show. Thanks, Mike. I thought yeah, it was well, because you had FOMO of missing out on uh, all the on interest a you could accrue. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> <laughs> that, sure. That's the thing, though, right? That that train of thought keeps mm -hmm. you hanging on forever because there's always a better price coming around the corner yeah, that is and true. and and for that matter you know what better wife coming don't don't get married now you're young wait wait there's a better one around that's the a corner. pretty sensitive topic uh, okay i'm gonna, ba I'm gonna back not, off I, do not all right yeah, i'm gonna yeah. not gonna down that road so no if if the numbers make sense i will not promise <laughs> you <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Woo. that's that's a... you ever you ever you know sticking a fork into a, a an electrical socket's gonna hurt, but there's a moment before you make a full connection that your arm starts to go. This isn't gonna work out well for you, so you, you pull got back. some splitting to do. <laughs> you you got to pull back, pull back. <laughs> Just avoid that third rail. Pull back. Anyways, yes. uh, let's, okay. let's, let's reel this back. I need to ground myself. That's what you know. My therapist says, you know, touch something. There you the go. The microphone. There you go. So, I, I I need to, you know, something to be said about the plan is that it's only a plan if you stick with it. Yeah. So I think that right now I am going to listen to my financial advisor, and uh, you know, I'm going to put my house up in the market, and I'm going to sell it, and I'm doing this for two different reasons. Number one is because I really don't know what's going to happen next year. Right. And uh, you know, a lot of a lot of what I do when I restructure companies because that's what I do. Um, 
is that I look at the fixed operational cost. I look at the expenses that I'm carrying. And, uh, you know, if, if, if my dealership was a plane, am I too heavy? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, you know, am I going to be able to clear the runway and be light enough to take off? And uh, I want to do that personally okay. because I'm really good at doing it outside. But, you know, here in my house, I can't even balance my checkbook. You know, I don't know if that's a common thing, but, you know, whatever. So what I want to do is that I want to deload on my expenses. I want to lower what I'm paying. And uh, I thought it was a very sound decision. Now, do you think that I should stick to that plan? So the answer is yes. Okay. Uh, Again, have a price in mind. If the market's going to yield that price, then it makes sense for you to do it. I can't guarantee that the price that you get to sell will be as good as what it could have been 45 days ago. Nobody can do that, but I guarantee it's better than it was a year ago. And if the number still makes sense to you, don't worry about what happens a year from now. Because I, I, I think the, the fear side of that equation is relevant also. What is going to happen a year from now? We don't know. Is COVID going to make the market worse and housing prices go down and now you've held on to an asset that's dropped in price? What if the government finally decides we got to start paying the bills for all this free money we're handing out? And a year from now, not only do the housing prices come down, but they add a capital gains tax to sell Ooh. it. Now you've been hit twice. Folks, that is terrifying. So, um, But it's all possible. So I, I, I don't like to make plans on what's possible. Just like you don't marry potential, you marry reality. Exactly. Exactly. I am not a fixer-upper. Take me as I am. So set your <laughs> set your plan. And- oh, that's, a, that's a big pill to swallow now on it. Oh, I'm never going to get any better. This is as good as I get. <laughs> is you, this as good as it gets? You and Jack Nicholson both. Oh, that's one of my favorite movies, man. Yeah. It's about a dog. <laughs> if you haven't watched that movie, have you watched that movie, Ken? You know, Ken is always talking to our, uh, our engineer in the background there. Have you watched that as good as it gets? I haven't seen it, no. Oh, dude, you need to watch it, man. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful, unbelievably, you know, uh, humbling movie. Uh, as uh, you know, getting older and getting set in your ways and crystallizing your ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to watch that. But uh, so, all right, I will continue with the plan. You know, I feel good now. I, I'm, well, I'm good. good. You, you, you solved this problem for me on air because I was gonna call you next week and talk to you about this. So now let's let's talk about you know, real estate decisions in retirement. Um, you know, we can discuss, you know, what's happening right now in the marketplace. And then mm-hmm. how, how do you make decisions that pertain to your real estate holdings when you're about to retire? Okay, so I think I see where you're going with this. So let's, let's talk about where the market is today. And then we'll talk about how retirees or, or people who are approaching retirement are taking this information in. The market has been, well, I can't even call it insane anymore. Uh, clearly, my understanding of... of what makes sense is is out the window. I have been saying for nearly a decade now. Yeah. These prices just can't keep getting higher this quickly. No one's going to be able to afford houses. It doesn't make sense. And sure enough, you know, my wife and I, we paid 480000 for our house. Yeah. And two years ago, one of our neighbors almost right across the street decided they were going to cash out and retire to a cheaper area. And they sold their house for 900000 That's nuts. And we went, woo, that's great for us. That was two years ago. Yeah. The people who bought it off him just sold for one point two. That's nuts. You know, and, and I can tell you this personal experience. When I first moved into this area, and for those of you folks that are listening to the show right now, I live on Oak Park 
area, you know, Dundas and Trafalgar. Yeah. Uh, when my ex-wife and I bought our first house in Oak Park, uh, we bought it for $260,000. This was 20 years ago. Yeah. Those houses are being sold for over a million now. It's nuts. Yeah. But just when you think that it cannot go any higher, they keep on going. And at one point, you know, they say that millennials have never you know, bought houses and at a lower rate than they do right now, that this generation is not buying houses. But it's not because they don't want to. It's because they can't afford it. Exactly. And I'm seeing more and more cases of people calling up saying, we're buying a house with our parents. Parents are going to help us become homeowners. They're moving in with us and we're buying it together. And, you know, I've, I've heard for years that in England, that's the only way to be the average person is going to own a home is by inheriting it. So, yes, there are plenty of, of other countries that have proven real estate can get too expensive for the average person to buy. And that doesn't necessarily mean the prices are going to come down. You know, my, my fear is that, you know, once I sell this house, because, you know, this, this nice house is I, I love this place. Yeah. That once I get into a condo, then it's going to be virtually impossible to get back into a housing market when the prices are just absolutely insane here in Oakville. You know, I was looking at transactional pricing here in Oakville, and uh, for the last 60 years, there has never been a time that prices have actually gone down in Oakville. Which is surprising to hear because, of course, there was a housing drop in the late 80s, early 90s, 88 to 91. I remember speaking to some clients in Mississauga, obviously just a short drive down the highway, uh, that said they bought a house for 400000 and three years later they sold it for two eighty. So I'm surprised to hear that Oakville was immune from that. Uh, yeah, I haven't. Uh, it's not it's something that hasn't happened here. Yeah. I don't know why. I can't explain it, and uh, I, I'm just fortunate to live here. And uh, I, you know, I always feel that one day someone's going to say, "Ah, oh, you don't belong here. Let's go back to somewhere else." And you know, I, I feel that that's, that's going to happen. But uh, um, so now, how do you unlock the potential of your property revenue? Right, and and so this is something that people who are in retirement and people who are quickly approaching retirement are looking at. They're saying, "Man, you know." We've got a lot of equity built up in this house. How are we going to unlock it for retirement? And you made the comment earlier in this show that some people, that's their only retirement asset. And if that's the case, we've got a problem. Uh, I think there are, there are a great number of people out there, or there is a great number of people out there um, that are looking at their net worth, and they're just looking at the number. You know, folks, if you are just tuning into the show, you are listening to The Greg Carrasco Show here with my friend Ken Stapen. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. And with me today, as he is a, a, a super good friend of the show, if not the best friend of the show, is Money Mike. Money Mike is a person that manages my finances, and uh, I don't trust anybody else with my money. He's the only one that is allowed to touch my monies, and he has kept me on the right side of things for a very, very, very long time. If you want to reach him, if you want to talk to him, uh, his direct phone line is 905-320-6762, or you can send him an email at moneymike.ca. Uh, right now, if you want to speak to him while he is with me on air, you can call 416-870-1050. Um, I want you to explore a little bit more on this, uh, how to unlock the equity on your property. Mm -hmm. um, but I want you to do it that on, you know, on, a, on an actual conversation. So let's take a small break right now, Ken. And um, 
I, I want you to you know explain the listeners how we're going to do this when that is the only asset that you have folks we're going to be right back immediately after the break you are listening to the Greg Carrasco show Canada's largest automotive radio show here with my friend Ken Stapen and uh, with us this morning is Money Mike my personal financial advisor that has been kind enough to you know share his wisdom he's the money Yoda with my listeners so if you are in a position that um, that you have some money put aside and you don't know what to do with it or you're not happy with your financial advisor that hasn't talked to you in six months maybe it's time that you reconsider so if you want to reach money Mike uh, you can call him directly not right now you can call him directly at 905-320-6762 or you can send him an email at moneymike.ca and he will be more than happy to help you this morning we're discussing what to do with your with your real estate equity you know you're approaching retirement uh you have a pile of money sitting in your house your mortgage is paid off you've done it what to do what do i do tell us so you know again the the notion that you brought up of someone approaching retirement and their home equity is all they have that was that was a scary notion to me because i i do see a little bit of that in society people are calling saying you know i i've got a million and a half net worth i'm like oh that's 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 really great well done well done and then they say it's it's in my house house. i haven't saved anything i don't have a pension Mm -hmm. then the tone changes um so can you you explain why is it that the tone changes sure Sure. Because you need an income and you can't get that from your house. So then people think, well, then I'll, I'll just sell my house and live off the million and a half. Where are you going to live? What, where are you going to live? So if, if you had that million and a half, uh, chances are that's going to provide you with a comfortable lifestyle. You throw the government pensions in there as well. You're doing fine. But when you also have to add rent, rent to the equation, uh, the, the numbers change. So it's not to say that it doesn't work out. You just, uh, hopefully you came into that approach with a plan and you knew that the numbers would work in that scenario. But I find a lot of people haven't thought ahead yet. It is critical. The more important question of uh, rather than what is your net worth is what is your liquid net worth? Mm-hmm. That shows me your financial ability to have built up assets that you're going to be able to draw on in retirement. And your house should be the backstop to that. Well, you know, the, here is a question that uh, I've always asked myself um, because the market is bringing a lot more money in than the appreciation on a property. Right. Um, should I sell and just become a renter? Well, you know, when you're approaching retirement, there's there are some people who've had that thought and it's not necessarily a wrong thought. So, you know, let's look at that example of someone, never mind a million and a half. Let's let's bring the numbers down and say someone has their house and it's worth 800,000. Well, you know, someone like me would tell that person, well, $800,000 house, if you're just retiring or about to retire, you should be planning on 4% of that value to be drawn every year to add to your income. So that's 32000 a year. So the question becomes, where are you going to rent? Uh, you know, for the vast majority of people in that circumstance, it's going to be cheaper to live in your home than it will be to rent. But 
if you're depending on the equity in your house to support you in retirement, you don't have that choice. So where are you going to go? What is that rent going to cost? Because that's going to eat up part of that 32000 Yeah, but look at year. it this way. I mean, if you're used to living in a home that is does a million and a half, yeah. that's a pretty good home. That's, that's a pretty, pretty nice. nice house. So in order yeah. for you for it to make sense, you would have to move into something that is so far away from your lifestyle that you may not like it. You, you've you've become accustomed, right, yes. to to a certain standard of living, and and will you be able to achieve that on the rental side? So, you know where I've seen it done successfully. So, talking about un, unlocking some of the equity in your house because you want to enjoy some of that money mm-hmm. is when people move out of more expensive areas like Toronto, mm-hmm. and they move into less expensive areas like Hamilton, Niagara. Kitchener. Waterdown. Yeah. Guelph. You know, yes. Yeah. So when you do that, in fact, I, I had uh, a listener to the show uh, call up earlier this week and they looking at that exact scenario. Our house is worth nearly a million. We can move to Hamilton, Stony Creek, wherever, um, you know, wherever. And we can buy an equivalent house for 700,000. I'm putting 300 grand in my pocket. I'm like, yeah. you know what? That makes sense. If you can unlock that equity and it's going to help support you in retirement and pay for your lifestyle and you have essentially the same level of house, great. Yes, but that cannot be achieved without a predetermined level of disruption in your life. Because everything that you grew accustomed to is going to change. Right. You know, from the town and the stores and the people that you know, you're going to move into a whole different area. Yeah. You know, which is something, you know, this is only a North American thing. eh? It's it's a North American thing. I can tell you every time I go back to Chile, you know the same people that I left 30 years ago are still in the same houses. Yeah, They live there. They never move. It's part of it's the neighborhood. Right. But this is something that you do here. Now, at what point do you know that this makes sense? Is, is there a, a, a guideline? Is, it a, is there a percentage that, that you can unlock out of your um, home equity that would make sense? Like, you know, 30%, 40%. If you have a, a house that is paid off and it's worth a million dollars, and now you move into another area and you buy a house for half a million dollars. Um, is that is that a ratio that works? How do you make that decision? Because I find myself in the same boat, Mike. Yeah. So how how do you how do you work that through? That's that's a tough call because as you said, moving from a million dollar area to a half million dollar area, unless you're dramatically reducing the size of your house and accepting you know your comfort and your lifestyle change, uh, it is resulting in moving out way out on the outskirts of, of uh, you know, proximity to Toronto. It is cha- moving away from the people you know, moving away from the grandkids. If you have a few years of work left, mm-hmm. it's adding a commute to your to your time because you wanted to take some of that equity now. So all of those things have to factor into your decision. I, I, again, I can't make that decision for you. Mm-hmm. All I can do is take those numbers that you say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to sell for a million. I'm going to buy for half a million. What can I do with that half million dollars to help support me? I can help you build the plan and show you what that looks like that's, on paper. That is your expertise right and there. That is. And that, that's where you get to make the decision. Do I like what I hear? Do I like what you're laying out? Does that make sense to me? You've got to make that call. You know, folks, if you're listening to the show, this is Money Mike. He's my personal financial advisor that's kind enough to join me here just about every week to talk to us about how we can free ourselves from the burden of, you know, having to work for your money and have your money actually work for you. And I think that many of us are, you know, I would say by and large guys that are my age, you know, you're in your mid to late 40s or even early 50s for that matter. 
you know, you have been putting, you know, 20, 30 years into a job. You, you, you try to make the right decisions, but we are so afraid of saying, I don't know. Like, I don't have a plan. And if you don't have a plan, you have to write this number down. Money Mike's phone number is 905-320-6762. Or you can send him an email at moneymike.ca and he will help you just like he is helping me. And, uh, you know, I can tell you sometimes, you know, the beauty about having or developing a relationship and a friendship, for that matter, with your financial advisor is that, you know, the more comfortable you get with these people, the, the, the more comfortable I get with Mike, the, the level of honesty that comes out is something that you cannot get from someone that you only speak uh, once a year. You, if, 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 if your financial advisor doesn't have an actual friendship with you, uh, because this is the person that's touching your, your future, this is the person that is you know, helping you build that safety net that is going to carry you into your 70s and 80s and potentially even 90s. So if you don't have this raw honesty coming from your financial advisor, you don't have the right person. Because... You know, I, I say this often. It was um, it was Sun Tzu that wrote in the Art of War that you know if if you see an enemy making a mistake, let them. And sometimes I feel that financial advisors, for whatever reason, when they see their clients making a huge mistake, they just allow it to happen, and they become accomplice to bad decisions. Which is something that I'm very very fortunate to say that I am not, because uh, Mike is like constantly trying to block me from not doing silly things and just call me jiminy cricket and being me (laughs) (laughs) folks let's take a small break and uh you know we're going to be right back you're listening to the greg carrasco show here on tsn 1050 with ken stapen we are canada's largest automotive radio show and uh, we'll take a small break and we'll be right back it's a line in this song that you know money for nothing and checks for free. It doesn't work that way, people. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. I am worth a fraction. <laughs> I am the living, walking proof that that is not true. Is Jim going to give me a tough time again? You know, Jim likes to fight with me. Let's talk to Jim. How are I, you? I, Greg, I'm absolutely not going to give you a tough time again. Uh, Why would I ever uh, do that? Mm, mm, you know something? We, we we just think we're too much alike. You wouldn't believe it, except in age. But anyway, uh, so, you know, um, I have an idea that I'm going to tell you. But first of all, um, on a show on your previous network, one time you said, who was that guy who, when he added the salt, and he said, pow, or bam, right? And you never said, and I had to think. And I don't, I mean think, not look it up on Google, because I don't have. But yeah. his name was Emeril. Emeril, yes, I remember. He was a so, chef. If if Money Mike is the Yoda, I'm going to be the Emerald, right? And and everybody can cook, oh boy. but he, it was his way of of putting things together. And I use that example for people. So I have an idea, uh, Money Mike, that yes. most most financial planners will never mention or they hate, right? And I do it, but. I'm already, I don't need the money, right, to get some money. I'm already in the clawback zone. That can't change. That's just from investments and the, and the dividends and how sure. blah, 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 right? But if you have the scenario that Greg mentioned, that your house is paid for and you have all that equity, you can stay in the house so you don't get the upheaval that uh, Greg was talking about. You stay in your house, and you can get a reverse mortgage. The money mm-hmm. does not need to re- be repaid until the house is sold. And right. what the only one that should really dislike that is 
is your heirs, the people that inherit it. Because okay, so you know, Jim, can you hold that thought for a second, okay? Because this is very interesting, and I, I appreciate what you're saying. So let Mike respond to that. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So. You know, I still have to ask the question because you made the comment at the beginning, financial advisors hate this. They do. But then you followed up by saying the only people that should hate it are the heirs. And you're correct. This doesn't affect a financial advisor. You pulling equity out of your home and using that to live has absolutely no effect on a financial advisor. It doesn't affect the income that they can earn. So why do they hate it? And I'll tell you why they hate it. Okay. First of all, when you do a reverse mortgage, the interest rate you pay on that mortgage is higher than standard interest rates. It is. I literally this week just secured a mortgage for a client, a fixed five-year mortgage below 2%. That's great. Yes. It's, it's ridiculous. You're not seeing that on reverse mortgages. Yeah. So you're, you're paying more that way. Second of all, there are very expensive fees to unwind it. Yes. So if you ever decide you need to sell your house, if you ever decide... For whatever reason, you know what? I, I didn't like the fact that I borrowed this money against my house. I want to pay it back and just be clear of it. The the fees and penalties to get out of a reverse mortgage are very expensive. Yeah. So those are the two reasons why I hate it. So there is a time where I think reverse mortgages have made sense. And they are exactly when you don't have heirs, when you do desire to continue to live in your home, and you need that extra money it can make sense. I'm not going to say it universally makes sense, but it can make sense in a select few circumstances. Does that make sense to you, Jim? It does make sense, but it, but in one point, but in another, it doesn't. And here's what goes wrong. And I'll tell you the truth, uh, Greg, is I did call Kelvin and I spoke to him. And the thing, the thing is, when I opened my margin account with uh, trading discount brokers in 1985, the, the manager advised me against it. And when I retired at 57, and I got another job, well, good-paying job, but I decided I wanted to trade. They said, no, you don't want to do this. I do, and I did. And what it is, people just don't want to think outside the box, and they don't like risk. They don't want to take chance, and they're, they're all just a certain certain way. But the thing is, so my point is, what's right is what's right for me whether that's a car or or an investment. So I'm 74. I just turned 74. And you know what? You're a young buck, Jim. You're young. You're a young buck. (laughs) But you know what? I'm a young thinker. You know what? I'm a young spirit. I, I really am. I'm a young energy, and I go out and I hang with younger people. If I went out with seniors, I'd give them all heart attacks, right? <laughs> so, so, no, I do. And I, I have always been a creative thinker, and, and that, that is why. So, again, yes, but once you tap into everything else, like that equity in your home is just untapped equity that you're not yeah. using. But I'll tell you one thing, are your heirs, and i got nothing against it, they're inheriting, don't forget, if I borrow that money, I'm going to invest it. So they'll inherit whatever it makes, but I get to use it. Maybe I want to buy a cabin well, on you the see, lake. You yeah, know, thank you. Jim, thank you so much for the phone call. I, I really appreciate you sharing your, your wisdom with me. You know, I think that a lot of people get hung up on, uh, on the inheritance. And I think that, um, you know, many, uh, many young people, or not so young people for that matter, uh, their retirement plan is their parents Dep- dying. Depends on inheritance, <laughs> absolutely. And, and so, you know, that is actually a, a very serious conversation I have with my clients. Is it important for you to leave money to the next generation? Yeah. And there are people out there, it is not. And, and if that's your objective, I'll help you put a plan in place to accomplish that. 
Do you, I, do you're not you really hear think, me say you need to. Do you really think it's a good idea to to leave all this money to your kids? Well, I don't know. I think that's a that's a, a kettle of worms there. Um, I, I think there's a lot of people out there who have inherited themselves and it was helpful to them. So they want to be able to do the same for their own kids. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then I've seen the whole spectrum where some people have inherited and they themselves built up enough wealth that they know how to handle money yeah. and they were able to do good with that inheritance. And I've seen people who've depended on it, who've never known how to handle money and they inherit money and they squander it. So again, no cookie cutter approach. You know, what, what scares me is that, you know, there are some people out there that their financial plan is for their parents passing on. Yeah. And uh, they do absolutely nothing for themselves because they know that there is something coming and they will never have to work. And that's what Thomas Stanley wrote about in his book, The Millionaire Next Door, mm -hmm. Millionaire Mind, as he talked about that you can crush the next generation's economic uh, ability to generate wealth and to create for themselves by setting them up too much without having to work for it. So do you think that, uh, you know, there is a possibility that we're doing more damage than good by setting up the, the next generation to the point that uh, they don't really have to worry about money again? Because I can tell you this, one of the biggest driving forces in my life is that I never, ever take my income for granted. Yeah. Like that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. So, but if they don't have to. Yeah, well, I won't make a general statement that we're on mass doing that. I think there are people who are and there are people who aren't. And, you know, there, there's a common known um, sort of trend in the business world mm -hmm. that the first generation creates the, uh, the business and passes it on to the second business. Uh, and only 10% of businesses survive to the third generation because the second generation spends what the first generation well, created. The, the other thing that I hear in our industry is that nepotism is the killer of industry. Yeah, yeah. Well, for sure. And, and you know, people have asked me, do you want uh, your son or daughter to become a financial advisor? And I've said no, because I've seen too often uh, people whose kids join the industry because, mm -hmm. well, that's what mom or dad does. So I'm going to do what they do. And it's not in them. It's not their passion. It's not their interest. And yeah, it dies. So people who inherit a business that wasn't their idea and it's not where their passion is, it's pretty tough to expect that they're going to kind of take that to the next level. But I have seen plenty of businesses where they have inherited it from mom and dad and they had such a creative mind. They were to do, able to do bigger things than the previous generation who created the business was ever able to do. You know, I, um, I don't want my children to work in the car industry. The car industry, you can see the best of the planet and you see the absolute worst as well. And uh, I always wanted them to have a plan A. Yeah. Um, but I, I see this often, especially with dealer uh, dealer principal's kids, they um, they inject them into a uh, a senior position right off the mm, bat, yep. uh, and you remove any sort of empathy and understanding of the very basics of the business. Uh, you know, Josh has worked for me at um, at a, a couple of dealerships, uh, but uh, he has been a shuttle driver and he has washed cars. You know, yes, I run the operation, but he doesn't work for me. He works for the manager of that specific department, and if he shows up late more than you know two or three times, fired him. It's okay. Yep. You know, this is it's his life, it's his responsibility. But uh, you know, it's it's interesting sometimes when 
you know, when we have a show like this, Mike, that is completely unstructured and is based on, on genuine human conversation, I seem to enjoy them significantly more because this is real life application of your principles. And I, I, I do believe wholeheartedly that many men uh, and women for that matter are out there right now wondering, what am I going to do with this house? What am I going to do with this equity? Who am I passing along? Do I have a plan? Right. And uh, if you are one of those people, uh, don't feel bad. You're not alone. You know, you, you've been listening to me for years on the radio, and I can tell you, uh, I had no clue. And I needed to arm myself with a mentor. I needed to arm myself with an expert that, you know, put some perspective into my life and uh, made me arrive to some interesting conclusions. And for me, that has been Mike. Uh, Money Mike, awesome to have you in the show, man. I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, a great way to spend a Saturday morning. <laughs> Thank you, folks. This is the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show with Ken Stapen here online. Uh, we're going to take a small break, and we're going to continue talking to you. Uh, this is all about you, you, you. Let's take a small break. I <laughs> see you got the shades there, man. <laughs> uh, I can't hear you. I had guys. to follow suit, Greg. I saw yeah. that you had the shades on, albeit you're doing the show from your house and the sun is uh, shining in on you and you've got the beach background as always. Not really <laughs> necessary for me as I'm at the uh, TSN 1050 studios out here at McCowan and 401, but figured uh, everybody was wearing the shades today. Just wanted to be popular. When, when <laughs> they look good on you, man, you look. Uh, oh, thank you. You look like a private investigator from the eighties. Um, <laughs> uh, the uh, <laughs> when do you think that this is going to change? Are we ever going to be able to get back in studio? Uh, remains to be seen. That's from um, powers higher up than where I'm at. I can say that we have done, we are doing currently, even the majority of our fully tenured shows, uh, whether it be Overdrive, Leafs Lunch, uh, First Up. A lot of the other shows on the station, everybody continues to do it remotely. So with the spike in numbers, I can't see them changing the policies anytime soon. And you just have to sort of uh, wait this one out. Well, I, um, you know, it's very convenient to broadcast from home. I, can, I can't deny that. But uh, uh, I, I like, you know, having that, you know, personal interaction with, uh, with my co-host. And it's something that I've... I have never been able to do while I've been with TSN here, and uh, you know it's um it's, it's weird when you don't have that uh, you know neurolinguistic feedback, you know when you don't see uh, in in real time what uh, your co-host is uh, is doing or saying or what he's feeling or if if he feels that something is funny and we yeah. can just you know build up on a conversation, it makes it it makes it difficult. And you know I, I I have to say this, and I don't know if you if you agree with this, you know sometimes you know Money Mike and I get into conversations that. Uh, I find those conversations more interesting sometimes than the content itself. Um, Money Mike is such a regular, awesome human that I can I can talk to him for hours. And uh, I was lucky enough to uh, you know to meet him about twenty years ago, and uh, he's been managing my monies for a very very long time. And um, you know the uh, the real life applications of the things that he does are just so interesting to talk about. Uh, and I think that you know more people should you know get the encouragement or get the courage to call the show and ask him questions because um, there are many people that listen to the show here that are in that position. They don't have a plan. If you don't have a plan, you are chancing it, and you know your retirement, your future is uh, is difficult to um, is difficult to deal with from from an objective standpoint if you don't actually have a plan. Um, you know, money, Mike's 
information is uh, his phone number is 905-320-6762 or you can send him an email at moneymike.ca he's a stand up guy and he will never sell you something that will benefit him this is all about you uh, so shout out to Money Mike again um, you know something else that I want to uh, say because again we, we do need to pay the bills this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity home of the no commission salespeople. And uh, for the month of October, we have a special going on that has got to do with service. And this is going to lead us back into the next conversation that we never finished talking. Um, the uh, Until the end of October, if you come in any brand, any city, doesn't matter who you are, where you live, uh, you come down to Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. You have to book your appointment online, though. So you book your appointment online or call in to book an appointment because I don't have a limited number of people working for me. Um, you can get an oil change for $19. And this is this is not there's no catch, you know. I uh, sometimes we need to do things to expose people to the level of service that is available to you at a world class facility that I run. Um, our service department at both stores, Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, not only is reasonably priced, but it's one of the most one of the strictest. Uh, COVID compliance shops in the entire province. Uh, on top of that, we have two state-of-the-art facilities that are there for only one reason, which is to get you in and out of that place as quick as possible or as safe as possible, and for you to spend the least amount of money that we can actually muster in relation to the maintenance needs of your vehicle. So until the end of the month, we have an oil change for $19, and uh, we will include a multi-point inspection for you at no charge. And um, you know, sometimes it's not a bad idea. Now, the uh, uh, you know to to preface my next segment, uh, I need to include this because uh, if you come in and do an oil change at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, we will include um, a free tire swap because I think it's time that you start swapping your tires. Um, the temperature is reaching uh, levels that are below eight or 10 degrees Celsius on a more consistent basis. And the last thing that you want is to be caught on the road with summer tires in the middle of the first snowstorm. We know this, folks. We know exactly what happens that infamous yearly day in which the first snowfall happens and all hell breaks loose here in Southern Ontario because everybody forgets how to drive, especially on the highway to hell, which is the 403 and the 404. Oh my goodness, those two things are unbelievably awful. So what we're doing at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, you come in for an oil change, we will include a free tire swap. We will change the tires for you. And on top of that, we will include storage for your summer tires for a season. No charge. This is a this is a special offer that we have going on at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, and I think that you know there is no excuse for you to go and service your vehicle anywhere else. At Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, we get the job done. Not only in the front because we have no commission salespeople, we give you the best price right up front. But now in the back end, you have one of the best service departments in the country at your service. No pun intended. So. Um, before we uh, we went into the Money Mike hour, uh, Ken, we were talking about snow tires, and um, this is a it's a sensitive topic for me because um, I see it every year. And again, I don't I'm not from here. I I came up in I grew up in another country, so snow is something that was new for me. I I had never seen snow when I came here, and uh, as much as I 
you know, I used to see the uh, snow-capped mountains of the Andes whenever I came out of my house in the ghetto in Santiago. Uh, going to the mountain and seeing the snow was only reserved for people with money, and that's not something that <laughs> was available to us where I lived. So um, it was oh, it was always sunny in Santiago. Um, in the wintertime, the temperature only got as low as, you know, maybe 8 or 9 degrees. Uh, it was humid, so it was uncomfortable, you know, cold, but it wasn't freezing. Um, here, many people don't understand the dynamics of the snow tires. Do you put snow tires on your car, Ken? I do. In the past as well, I've actually been a part of the frenzy as well that waits till the first snowfall to get those on. And uh, having learned from my past mistakes, I'm actually going to pick up my snow tires from where they're being stored this weekend. And hopefully we'll have them in before the end of October to uh, avoid that whole situation. The um, Why do you wait until last minute? Why do I wait until the last yeah. minute? Is waiting until, like, before the end of October, the last minute? Yeah. Or, are you, or are you suggesting in the past? No, why, why have you waited in the past until the last minute when the first snowfall comes? And I, I can tell you, man, this is, this is something that every single service facility in the country goes through every time the first snowfall happens. The phone is ringing off the hook. People are getting upset. Get me in right now. I need my snow tires today. Meanwhile, we have been talking to you for months and months and months and months about you getting in early enough, book your appointment, get your tires changed. You know, a very little known fact, Ken, is that uh, Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity are the number one tire retailers in our region. Uh, for all uh, all our competitive the competitive segment, so we sell more snow tires than just about anybody else. And uh, it's it's very interesting how how predictable people are. Now, what I don't understand is the aversion that people have of putting the snow tires in the vehicle early enough for them not to have to deal with the panic of the last minute of trying to get into the store, and by then it's too late. It's absolutely too late. Now, you know, here is a question for you, Ken. Do you think that snow tires should be mandatory? And that is a question that I'm sending out into the universe right now. So if you're listening to the show right now, this is the Greg Carrasco Show here on TSN 1050. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. If you have a question about cars, selling cars, buying cars, trading cars, anything that has to do with the transactional aspect of a vehicle, I'm not a mechanic. I can give you some ideas of what I think things issues are. But, you know, I... I I approach the car industry more from a philosophical standpoint and from a financial advice standpoint. That's what I try to do with people. So if you have a question, suggestion, concerns, issues, beefs, grievances, you name it, you can call us here at 416-870-1050 or if you're calling from out of town, it's 1-855-591-6876. And also you can download the podcast, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And as soon as we load it up onto the web, guess what? You're going to get a notification and you can listen to us on your own time. So the question out there is, do you think the government should make snow tires mandatory? Well, they do in certain provinces. I believe Quebec is one province where snow tires are mandatory. Uh, Ontario obviously isn't at that point where they're pushing the legislation. Obviously, the winters, at least in southern Ontario, where the majority of the population are, is, is not necessarily as harsh. A lot of the snow gets pushed because of the lake effects down to our uh, neighbors in Buffalo, where they seem to get it by 10 feet by 10 feet. Personally, I think that 
snow tires are, well, tires just in general are the most important safety feature on a car. So to not put on snow tires in the winter seems just like negligence on your part for yourself and for other people on the road. Uh, as somebody who generally, as uh, we've talked about on the show, uh, as far as governments getting involved in other people's personals, personal affairs, I'm not sure if it's necessarily that they mandate it. I think that probably the discounts from insurance companies should be enough that people would just want to do it inherently. Well, um, the government in Quebec made them mandatory. And uh, the the statistics are speaking louder than anything that I could say to you. Their, their accidents in the province of Quebec have dropped significantly, you know, since the, the government instilled this mandatory snow tires. Now, I just don't understand the logic behind people trying to justify the idea that they don't need snow tires. Um, many people say, uh, I don't want the expense. All right. So... Maybe if you can think of a few reasons why people don't want to do it, I can answer the questions for you. Maybe we can debunk some of the myths. So the first thing that I hear about snow tires is the following. Uh, I don't want to incur the expense. Snow tires are expensive. All right. So let's, let's address that. Um, the reality is that most tires will last you anywhere between 55 and 75,000 kilometers. That's, that's a safe range for a tire to last. Now, if you buy snow tires at inception, so if you can, you know, include it into the purchase on a finance, uh, and you're financing for, you know, 72 or 84 months, whatever you, you're financing, and you pay your loan on a biweekly basis, you know, to add $1,000 for a set of snow tires with steel wheels is going to change your payment, but maybe $4 per payment, which is negligible. It's, 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 it's almost non-existent. Now, what's going to happen is this. You have two sets of tires that are combined going to carry you for anywhere to uh, 120,000 kilometers to 150,000 kilometers. So now you are literally doubling the life of your tires. So for the next however many years that you are going to drive 150,000 kilometers, you will never need to buy tires again because most people will get out of their vehicles before 150,000 kilometers. So this this whole notion that it costs too much money to buy a set of tires makes absolute no sense. Now, when you compound that with you know car manufacturers, like for example, Nissan right now, Ken, whenever you finance anything that we have in stock at Oakville Nissan, we're throwing in snow tires. You're getting them for free. So if you're buying a vehicle anyways, um, why not buy it from the car manufacturer that is already giving you free snow tires? And, you know, it's, it's so interesting because I um, I put ads everywhere. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that people see my face uh, when it comes to uh, social media. We are everywhere. And uh, when I put this ad that we are throwing in no charge snow tires, the number one question that comes up is this. What's the catch? What is the catch? Do you, do you, do you feel that, uh, Ken? Well, everybody always wants to know what the catch is because it couldn't possibly be a situation where you're giving something away for free. They have to be on the hook for somewhere. There has to be a hidden fee. But in this case, there's not. And just to add to what you were saying before, they don't even have to worry about bringing their regular tires home because you guys offer the storage as well. But, you know, you know here is the interesting thing, and uh, I'm going to use this as, as an exercise. 
um, I have an ad on all the social media platforms, and we are everywhere. If you, you know, in order for you not to know who I am, you need to live under a rock or not have social media here in Southern Ontario. So the the offer that we have is that if you finance anything that we have in stock, uh, any new vehicle that we have in stock at Oakville Nissan, you are going to be given snow tires. So the first comment that I have on the ad, Ken, says, if you buy a car because it comes with winter tires, you must be so dumb. That's the first comment that I get on the actual ad. And then somebody goes in and says, no, it actually makes you smart. Because if you're buying a car anyways, now you can get free winter tires, which you were going to get anyways to make the vehicle safer. It's a no-brainer to buy the car at that place versus another dealer who doesn't include this on the deal. And then immediately after this, right, somebody says, the price of the vehicle gets bumped up by the dealer to cover the cost of the snow tires. Don't be so naive. And, you know, as I keep reading, because there's lots and lots of comments on this, Ken, I cannot believe the level of cynicism and distrust that people have towards the car industry. I have spent my entire career trying to bring some transparency into an industry that has been obscured uh, for so many years. And it's simply because you know the car business before the internet uh, thrive in, in the lack of information. Because if you wanted to go and shop between two or three dealers, you ha actually physically had to go there. You know, think about what you had to do back in the days before the internet came around or before the computer was around. And, you know, I was... I was fortunate enough, Ken, to you know be born in. I was born in 1971, and I believe that we are um, we are what gener generation X. I think we are. We are the last generation that reached adulthood without computers, and uh, so we know of a life without the smartphone. We know of a life without computers, and before you had to do the research you had to go to the library you had to buy the literature you have to buy the consumers report and the auto trader if you were looking at used cars and i still remember when the auto trader book i don't know if you if you guys were alive when when the auto trader book was a thing it used to be this you know two inch thick book that you know by the time you got through all the pages your fingers were black because the ink was coming off the pages do you remember this ken or is this before your time no no this is uh probably slightly before my time i was uh, born in 1990 so we didn't have necessarily a computer. Well, we had the dial-up internet, I remember, probably when I was about five or six years old. That was probably uh, my first memory of it. But then, obviously, my formative years in the 2000s was when the technology boom happened. I believe the first iPhone came out in 2004, 2005. Yep. So that would have been uh, the first interjection of at least the handheld technology that we've come to terms with just using today i had one of those uh first generation iphones and it was just outstanding to see how far they'd come from uh, the old motorola flip phone that i had you know absolutely but i mean you know the whole process of buying a vehicle in the past a lot of it relied on your willingness to believe what the salesperson was saying to you and uh, I can tell you this, folks, when I when I first started to sell cars back in 1992 at 401 Dixon Nissan, um, I could barely speak English. And uh, I could also barely understand what I was being trained to do. <laughs> but now thinking back, 
in, in, in trying to remember the things that I was told to say to the customer back in those days is like, no wonder no one trusted us. <laughs> like, no wonder uh, we were personas non gratas in, in most people's lives. You know, car salespeople were like deemed just as bad as lawyers and politicians. And But I can tell you this, that after reading all the comments that I see on my social media in relation to a dealership or even a brand to offer free snow tires with the purchase of their vehicle, people simply don't believe it. What do you think that needs to happen, Ken? for us to be able to remove this 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 lack of trust that we have in an industry that affects us so many you know if at my two stores there's almost a hundred people that work with me and uh, there is a hundred families that we support and there is also a hundred members of our community that are just like you and i that have no ill intention that are only there just to you know satisfy and take care of a need you see we solve problems that's all we do what do you think that needs to happen, Ken? At some point, before I, you know, I start pushing grass from the bottom up, <laughs> that needs to happen in order for people to start actually trusting a car dealership. Well, I think that your question alludes to a bigger, I'm not going to say it's an issue in society, but in a capitalistic society where there is free market and people are free to charge what they want or try to make what they want, and marketing is such a big part of that, the consumer generally makes the assumption that if you're entertaining giving something for free or putting it out there that you're getting something for free, that nobody would do that. Because why would they give you something that costs X amount of money, take, thus taking the profit out of your pocket when you could sneak a hidden fee in there or you could find a different way to up the charge of the car so you're actually not paying out? I don't think it's an issue with just the car industry. I think that people in general are going to be skeptical of any industry that you suggest that you're going to be giving something out for free. When you double that up with the facts that the automotive industry has traditionally been an industry that was based off of, as we talk about all the time, based off of commission and based off of making sure that you can make the most profit off of each vehicle, I think that compounds the fact that the consumer fails to believe that the dealer actually has the best intended results or the best intentions for the consumer who's buying the car rather than trying to turn a profit in a rather sneaky way by offering something for free, even if it is, in your case, with the snow tires, a genuine offer where you're just tossing them in. Well, I, I, I do hear what you're saying, but, but here's the challenge. For some reason, the car industry in particular, they are not allowed to make profit. You know, the, the cost, the profit margins are published everywhere. And by the time you explain this to the consumer, you know, no one believes how little profit it is on cars. You know, I've discussed this before on air, and I think it's important that, you know, to, to refresh the, 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 the mind of the populace here. The average gross profit transactional here in Southern Ontario, a dealership will make $390 worth of profit in the sale on the average sale of a vehicle here in Ontario. Do you, if I told you that, you know, not coming from me, would you believe that, Ken? No, not likely. And that's just based off the fact that you and I have gained a little bit of pedigree here. So I take your val what you say at face value because I know there's no malicious motive. But if somebody else were to tell me that exact same thing, Without you wouldn't believe being it. a pretense. No, I wouldn't believe it. 
You know, here is another interesting statistic. You know, the average car dealership in Canada, you know, I, I, I want to repeat this because it's very important that you remember this. The average car dealership in Canada generates a 1.5% gross profit or ROS, return on sales, at the end of the year. So that's the sort of profit margin wow. that is generated out of the average car dealership in Canada. Seems much lower than I expected, to be honest. I'm surprised that it's that low. It, it is, you know, and to be perfectly honest with you, through COVID, many dealerships, their ROS was in the minus. It was minus 3 or 4 or 5%. So, you know, many dealerships, and uh, I can tell you there are many dealer principals and dealers that uh, have people working for them, chose to keep their operations open, taking money out of their pocket to support the the, the infrastructure, the personnel infrastructure of their of their businesses in order for them to keep it running. So many dealerships lost a tremendous amount of money. But for some reason, you know, a dealership making a little bit of money on the transaction of a vehicle is something that is, 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 is frowned upon. So, you know, the average transactional gross profit on a vehicle here in Canada, folks, is anywhere between 7.5 and 9.5%. You see, the whole idea of having an MSRP, the MSRP stands for the manufacturer suggested retail price. So the vehicle is built to be sold for this price. If we sell it for that price, we are going to make anywhere between 7.5 and 9.5 profit margin. But guess how many people pay full price for the vehicle? A very high percentage. No, nobody. Nobody? Nobody pays MSRP because everybody wants a discount. Every single person that walks into a dealership is going to ask for a discount. So now you're not making 7.5 to 9.5%. You're literally going down to 1%, maybe 2%, you know, gross profit on a vehicle. Which That's is, crazy to me. It is It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts, and this is the reason why we moved away from commission on our sales floor, because you only pay commission from the gross profit that is left after the sale of the vehicle. But the reality is this, that the car industry has been so commoditized over the last 70 or 80 years, there are so many dealers that there is a market saturation. You know, when you think about organizations like the TADA, the, the Trillium Automotive Dealers Association, uh, or when you look at the CADA, the Canadian Auto Dealers Association that has about 5,000 members, you know, then, then you get into the problems that you see with gas stations and Tim Hortons. There are so many of them. At one point, they were a very lucrative idea. And maybe those perceptions, those stereotypes are still set in stones that, you know, make people believe that the car dealer was this, you know, super ultra rich guy that, uh, you know, was smoking cigars and, you know, sitting back in a plush uh, lazy boy chair. That's not what it is anymore. So at one point, you reach the point of commoditization in which there are so many dealers around that no one makes anything. And, and look, I understand this because I'm a firm believer of free markets. I believe in ruthless corporate uh, evolution, you know, and I, I, or corporate Darwinism. At the end of it all, if you do a good job, if you, if you look after the customer, if you get the job done, those good organizations will survive. But the reality is this. But for some reason, we don't allow dealerships to make money. We think that that is a bad thing. And then at the same time, we expect them to give us the best service on the planet. We want them to treat us like kings, but you know, we don't let them make an, $1,000 on the, on the sale of a $50,000 vehicle. 
I want to know what your thoughts are, folks. If you want to disagree with me, if you want to have a conversation with me, if you think I'm, I'm out to lunch, you can call me here at 416-870-1050. This is the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show with my friend Ken Stapon here on TSN 1050. And we want to talk to you. Speaking I want to know what you what's up. Speaking of which, we do have a phone call that we can go to right now. We have Eddie from Hamilton who wants hey. to weigh in on the conversation. Eddie, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. Hey, Eddie, what's Hello, up? Hello, guys. How are you? Good, man. What's up? Good. I wanted to do, uh, I've had a little experience in the tire business, and I just wanted to make a few points, clarification, uh, yep. regarding your winter tire comments over the last hour or so. Okay. So, first off, I noticed that you mentioned you, sometimes you call them snow tires and sometimes you call them winter tires, but they're, it really is winter tires and not snow tires. Okay. And the reason is that you need winter tires, not just when the snow flies, but all kinds of different winter conditions, especially when you think of southern Ontario, where you can go from uh, snow to freezing rain to slush, back to snow and freezing rain, all in the same 24 hours. Uh, and so uh, if you're just waiting for a snowstorm and that's why you need uh, snow tires, you're, you're missing the boat. You need tires uh, with all of those various conditions. Uh, now, you know, be, this, uh, hold, this, hold on a second, Eddie. Before, before you before you go any further, I want to know what is your experience with tires because you know I like when experts call me, uh, and and you know this is all about education. I'm getting educated as well as my listeners are. So, what do you do with tires? Uh, is, business as well. So I've been on both. If you want to call it all all channels of distribution from manufacturing to retail okay. to uh, to um, wholesale, etc. So. Um, so I have a little bit of expertise, and I did some a lot of training back in my early days. So the the other thing I like to make a note of is the um, you probably heard of this, uh, this the seven de- uh, degree rule. So basically, yep. when the temperatures hit seven degrees or lower Celsius, uh, that your um, non-winter tires uh, there is a uh, change in the compound because they are they are a harder compound. Uh, so. Um, and the winter tires are softer compounds. So when you get to seven degrees or cooler, your non-winter tires become harder and more rigid, which means that they are not uh, biting edges. They are not clearing the snow or the slush or the uh, or uh, whatever type of freezing rain conditions are there. So if you're waiting till it gets to minus something or other, uh, seven degrees is the key uh, that you have to follow. You know, um, I I always use the safety net of. Eight, you know, between eight and ten, just to give yourself a little bit of a window, because you see, depending on the average temperature, is the time that you're buying yourself. You know, it only takes yes. a week or so for the temperature to go down another two or three degrees. So, you know, if you if you right. start hitting the the ten to eight Celsius on a regular basis, it's time. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing that um, I think that came out on a couple of the comments is a lot of people will say, "Oh, I don't need uh, I don't need winter tires because." I have all-wheel drive or I have four-wheel drive. (laughs) And what most consumers don't understand is that uh, four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive are designed to stop the wheel. The only thing that stops the car is the tire. So if the wheel stops and you've got poor tires on or the wrong tires on, you keep sliding. You You don't stop. 
So, okay, hold on, um, hold on, hold on, hold on for a second. I need you to say that again. That is just wisdom. Folks, if you're not paying attention to this, you know, you should. This is wisdom coming out of Eddie right now. Can you repeat <laughs> what you just said? Because uh, not many people understand that, you know, you can have the most sophisticated vehicle in the market. You can have the most sophisticated and intuitive all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive system. But if you are unable to transfer those characteristics onto the actual ground, your vehicle is useless. So can you repeat what you just said? Absolutely. So uh, the, uh, there's all kinds of all-wheel drive, four-wheel drive type of um, all kinds of different uh, sophisticated braking systems. Uh, they are only de- there to de- uh, design to stop the uh, wheel. They don't stop the vehicle. The only thing that stops the vehicle is the tires. So you can have all those sophisticated systems on, and even when the, the vehicle is brand new, but and, and the wheel will stop, but the vehicle won't stop unless you've got uh, the right tires on and good tires on and, uh, and having biting edges that are actually gripping and stopping. And anybody, friends of mine ask me all the time, oh, should I get winter tires? And I tell them that, <laughs> I tell them that same thing. Uh, so well, the, the other thing, and you know this, uh, Greg, from uh, your new vehicle sales and even on your used, is today's vehicle, doesn't matter if it's the smallest uh, uh, um, a Nissan vehicle or, or a, a larger high-performance vehicle, Vehicles are coming now with 18, 19, 20 inch and more. Uh, yes. So they're, they're, there's no more 14 inch, 15 inch, 16 inch. And the rule of thumb in the winter is the narrower the tire, the better. The wider the, the is, tire, yeah. it, it, the, worse. It, it, the worse it is. So with 18, 19, 20 inch and above, you're also getting low profile tires. So, which means from the average consumer is that. The tire, in layman's terms, is, looks fatter and has uh, shorter sidewalls. So I get friends of mine who say, well, I just bought a new vehicle. I don't need those tires, winter tires, because I've got new tires on. When you look at those tires, um, a lot of them will be called, uh, have a designation called M&S or, in, in layman's term, called all-season. Yep. But they are really like uh, ultra-high-performance tires. They do not perform well in any of those what I call Southern Ontario winter conditions. So you really have to be aware of that. And I like your idea when you buy a new vehicle, get the winter tire package put on because even if it's your first year vehicle, you are going to need them if you're riding on 20 inch tires with a 45 or a 40 uh, series low profile product, which comes original equipment these days. You know, uh, and uh, let me interrupt you there, Eddie, and uh, I think that we can also debunk another myth here. People think that dealerships make hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars per tire. You know, how small are the margins on tires? Well, I I think uh, for a retailer that's doing, you know, a good job on on, on retail, that uh, a a 25% gross profit is is a good number. Uh, You get them, some people that are down lower in the 20s and some higher, depending on on what you're doing. But, um, I mean, you know, um, the the retailers will make pretty good gross profit on that, way more than they would, let's say, on the, the margins you were talking about on a new vehicle. Um, and it depends on how aggressive you want to be in terms of, of your pricing. Um, but, um, you know, I guess the, the, the point is, is, and I don't know about making it a law. I, I believe it should be. But, you know, I understand government intervention and over-governing, but accidents will go down. Uh, the other thing that is very common, and consumers should know this, that if you're riding on a 18-inch tire, that that wider tire, lower profile, that when you buy winter tires, you can actually downsize uh, your uh, to a 16-inch 
a 17-inch, a 16-inch, sometimes even as low as a 15-inch. Just to get a better better traction with the snow tires. But, Eddie, you know, I I need to interrupt you here because uh, we have a lineup of phone calls. Thank you so much, Eddie, for calling, man. That was a lot of wisdom here, and you are welcome to call the show anytime. We're talking about tires. That is Eddie from Hamilton. Let's talk to John from uh, Coburn. John? Did we lose John? It doesn't seem like John is there, so we'll uh, move on to our next caller here. Is it Jay from Brampton? Yeah, we're going to lock in Jay from Brampton. And Jay, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. Uh, Hi, Mr. Carrasco. Love your show. Uh, Thank you, sir. Listen listen to you from way back to the another state. Oh, looks like we lost him. (laughs) Bad luck on the phone lines. All right, let's go uh, to uh, Steve from Woodbridge. Hey, Steve. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How can we help? Good. I'm talking about uh, trying to find out some more information about leasing vehicles. Yep. Um, I'm currently in a lease and I'm looking to give me a new vehicle early. Yep. And they're asking me to pay the freight and PDI again. It's not a okay. normal procedure. Uh, you know, every time you buy a new vehicle, you have to pay the freight and PDI. Yes. I understand that, but I'm just thinking from a leasing perspective, it's like they're coming to me to try and get it early lease to extend another three and a half years, four years, whatever it may be. Is that something I should be negotiating or is that just a standard? Uh, you know, look at it this way. I mean, the uh, the only reason why you even know about the freight and PDI is because of the full disclosure procedures of the Canadian, uh, sorry, of the provincial government. Uh, what uh, what Ontario has decided is that the customer needs to get full disclosure on every single one of the fees that are applied to the purchase of your vehicle. You know, back in the day, the freight and PDI was part of the selling price. It was never disclosed. So, you know, whether you get the freight and PDI as a discount or you get a regular discount, you know, it doesn't matter. The freight and PDI needs to be paid anyways. Um, you know, this is something that you can negotiate, sure, but depending on the kind of car that you're buying, the freight and PDI is more than the entire profit of the entire vehicle. Like, what are you looking at getting, for example? Uh, Mercedes C300. Um, a Mercedes C300, their freight and PDI is going to be, what, $2,400? Uh, they said 45 Is 4500 Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think the Freedom PDI is $4,500 on a C300. Um, but uh, if it was 2500 which is what I think it is, that is more profit than that car has from top to bottom. So they will never give you that off. Okay. Uh, yep, now... Uh, you know, you know, it's important that you know so that way you, you yeah. make an educated decision because, you know, to put yourself in a negotiating uh, standpoint or in asking for something that could never happen, then, you know, you're just wasting your time. You know, my, I'm more curious about why is it that you chose the C300 when there are other vehicles that are better than that car for less mm-hmm. money? I'm in a C300 now and they basically approach me saying we give you the same monthly payment for a brand new C300. What is the monthly payment, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, Six fifty. Okay, so let, let me put it to you this way. Right now, uh, I would say that the um, the Acura TL or TLX is a better vehicle. I would say yeah. that uh, the Lexus ES350 is a better vehicle. I would say that the Infiniti Q50 is absolutely a better a, a better vehicle, and they are all less money than what you're paying. Now, if you want to, what's that? With, with zero down? Oh, yeah. So what, yeah. what I'm saying to you is this, that if, if, if you want to drive a Benz, then 
you drive a Benz. But if you want to yeah, yeah. drive a luxury vehicle and have performance that is better for less money, you're looking at the wrong car. That's also good information. So you said the Infiniti... You know, the Infiniti Q50 is probably yeah. one of the luxury industry best kept secret because that vehicle, in, in my humble opinion, and I've always felt the same way because the previous generation of that car was called the G, the Infiniti G35 or G37. And in my opinion, yeah. is the best car that has ever been made. So at some point back uh, in the year 2013, they changed the name from the G series to the Infiniti Q50. And that vehicle competes with the C-Class, it competes with the A4, with the 3 Series, with the TLX. In the Infiniti Q50 is quite possibly the best performing vehicle within the segment and it's also the least expensive one of them all. So it's a phenomenal really? machine. Okay. I, so I appreciate where, that. where do you live? In, in Woodbridge. You know, we are literally 25 minutes away from you. Come down and see me at Oakville Infinity. I'll give you one of those cars to drive for two or three days, and you make up your own mind because I can tell you your, your mind's going to be blown away by how amazing those vehicles are. You're at Oakville Infinity? There we Oakville are. Infinity. Thank you so much for the phone call. We need to go to a small break, folks. Nope. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show here, Canada's largest automotive radio show on TSN 1050 with Ken Stapen. Let's go for a break. I'm going to share a secret with you, Ken. I have decided I'm going to record another album. Another I'm album? Yeah, I'm doing it. I didn't know that you had a first album. I did, man. I did. I have this this love for singing. I can't sing, but I, you know, I decided to do it. You know, I hired uh, a good friend of mine, Mike Conto, who is a producer, and uh, you know, he did all the um, all the instruments in the background, and uh, and I sing. So I did an album a, a few years back. It was a bunch of covers, and um, you know, I have a couple of originals there, some some songs that I've written, and uh, we started the process. So that song that you just heard is one of the songs that I'm gonna be covering on on the album there. But uh, you know it's uh, it's fascinating. We we often we don't do things for ourselves, man. Uh, you know my my best friend Kurt, uh, you know Kurt Deadburn, Kurt Rankenhagen. He never listens to my show. He's awful. Um, but <laughs> he um, you know he's he's a big stickler on uh, on bucket list, and uh, he he has a book that he has hand drawn all the things that he wants to do before he kicks the bucket, and um, you know. Recording an album is uh, is something that you know an actual album, something that sounds decent that I'm not embarrassed to share with the world, is something that I always wanted to do, and I attempted it once, and you know I think that I could do a better job now, and um, yeah, we uh, we started the process, so we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll play some of them here on the show one of these days. You get some. Of, you're going to get the auto tune cooking in there, or what? No, actually, I I, I can sing. I don't have a good voice, but I can sing. I can. Uh, there's a lot of um, there is a lot of music in my life. Uh, you know, I grew up in in church, and I was part of the choir. And Grandpa used to play the accordion, and he was the uh, the head of the the, uh, the choir. But um, you know, all my uncles used to play the guitar, and my aunts used to play the banjos. So um, you come by it honestly. I, I yeah, I did. I I learned to play the guitar in church when I was like six or seven. Um, I'm not good at it, uh, but I love just you know one of my biggest pleasures in life, man. At the end of a Saturday, when I don't want. When I don't have no words left in me to talk to the public. I just come in to my house and go to my room and just grab my guitar and just 
sing away for a little bit just for myself. Um, but, uh, you know, we, I, I think that, you know, we as humans often, we forget to live, you know, is a, you know, and that's something that I've always done for myself to just bring me back to this moment. And, you know, today I'm pretty happy with the show today, man. I am happy with, with the engagement that we receive from the listeners. I am super happy with um, the topics that we cover with Money Mike. And uh, I'm also happy with uh, what what you did today here and your contribution to the show. And Oh, thank you. I, you know, no, and I, I mean that because uh, at the end of it all, this is this is our product. This is uh, this is what we do. And often we, we don't, you know, we don't take the time to s- smell the roses, man. We don't, we don't, we don't take the time to bask in the heat of our own glow, you know. And uh, I think, uh, I think it's important that we recognize that we we always seem to be in a state of, of, uh, of yearning, of waiting for the next stage, of you know, the next house that we buy or the next relationship that we get. And we, one of the biggest fears that I have in my life, Ken, is that. To be absolutely happy and miss it and not know how happy I was in every any given moment because I missed it because I was thinking about something else. Yeah. Uh, and, and I decided not to anymore, you know, just, you know, just to be here, to be present, to appreciate what is going on is something that I am. I'm working really hard to get good at because I am terrible at it. I'm yeah. a task-oriented person, and uh, I always want to. What is the next thing to do? And the next thing to do, and I that's very common. For, it it is. Well, it's the and, the Greeks I think called it the hedonic treadmill, where the expectations rise at the same time as you achieve what you were sort of working towards. So whether it's the next, you know, promotion in your career, or you get the raise, or you get the two-car garage, or you get the relationship. Your expectations change at the same rate of that. So if you are looking to the future to be happy, inherently you'll never be happy because once you get to the place where you thought you were going to be, that's where you go back to square one. You know, I um, I want you to hold that thought. Let's take a small break, folks. We'll be right back with the Carrasco Show. And we're back. We're going to try to maximize this last few seconds of the Carrasco Show here, Canada's largest automotive radio show with my friend Ken Staple on TSN 1050. This is all for you, folks. You know, this is uh, this is my my own personal therapy session in which I share ideas and thoughts that hopefully can make somebody's life a little bit better. Um, you know, you don't have to agree with everything we talk about on the show here, but um, you know, it's important that you know that we are here for you and that you are not alone. Um, the um, you can download the podcast, uh, go to iTunes and subscribe, and uh, uh, everything that we talk about uh, is going to be there without commercials, without interruptions, and you can listen to us on on your own time. Um, you know, before we uh, we before we part ways this Saturday, I um, you know, I want to you know put something out there for you folks. Make somebody smile today. You know, you know, tell somebody that you like them. Tell somebody that they did something amazing. You know, put a smile on somebody's face. You'd be amazed at what it does to you, man. It would be am- amazing to see that energy that comes out when you put some happiness into someone's life. Thank you so much, folks for indulging this three hours of the Carrasco show here with Ken. And uh, we're going to be back next Saturday to talk to you about, you know, things that happen during the week, you know, share experiences that happen in our lives. Uh, But more importantly, if you need some help, if you want no nonsense and full radical transparency on your car buying transaction, you don't even have to buy my product. 
you know, you can come in and ask for advice. You can ask for help. And I can tell you this, you know, the, the one thing that I use always, you know, and I will continue to repeat forever. If my mom was asking me what you were asking me, what would I tell my mom? Knowing all that I know about this crazy car industry of ours, I will give you that advice. And I know that I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you this, that after 27 years of doing this, I have a pretty good idea of what I think is a good decision and not. So for those of you that are listening to the show, this is the Greg Carrasco Show. I live right now at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. This is my post. This is my life today. And uh, we have an amazing group of people there that I only have one job, which is to get the job done. Come and see me, folks, at Oakville Nissan. There is something happening there at oakvillenissan.com. 